0: Lighthouse was designed to provide light in times of darkness and encourage unity through partnerships and collaborations on our unbiased all-in-one platform that integrates the best features of video hosting, social media, and e-commerce. Browse a creator's store while watching their video and check your newsfeed while continuing to watch the video. Create a post, build communities with groups, or make a custom page. Shop your favorite products while continuing to watch the video and simply close the video player at any time.
1: Welcome, fellow brave believers. This is Kingdom Cast. I'm Sean. Thanks for joining us tonight. And as always, this is the podcast where we search for knowledge, wisdom, and understanding of His Word and of this world, so we can better relate His Word to this world. So, thank you for joining me. We already have quite a few people in the chat. I want to say hello uh, to everyone that's already here waiting. Uh, West Place Music is back. Welcome, brother. And guys, if y'all had, if y'all just saw some of the commercials we did, not only is Lighthouse still coming, they had a, a production delay as they had to change servers before they could actually officially launch, but Um, Be Waiting for Lighthouse It's going to be really phenomenal It's going to be sensor free It's going to change the game The best of YouTube, Facebook And online selling platforms Like uh, Etsy and Amazon So be waiting for that But also you may have saw the advert For Uncommon Ground That's a new series That uh, West Blaze Music's channel Is going to be hosting And I'm going to be co-hosting That series with them We're going to be talking about Biblical cosmology We're going to look at uh, The scriptures, science, interviews, music It's going to be a lot of fun Be sure to go subscribe To West Blaze Music channel um, and so that you don't miss uh, the first episode because we're going to start it in April. Okay, guys. Also, I um, just want to say thank you guys for joining us tonight. We're going to have a fun discussion uh, with, a, with a pastor and a couple of other good brothers about Covenant and about Torah. And I think everyone should be edified by it. But real quick, I just want to say thank you, Marlowe Eugene, for coming back. Uh, thank you, Ancient Ways Modern Man, AC, James Henry, Paul Levi, Jubion Kenobi, Ann McKenzie, Mr. Bear, Kyle Johnson, Carla Mulberg, Elias Stewart is back. Welcome, brother. The Lion Within Us. Welcome, brother. And again, thank you to all the moderators. Everyone that's keeping the chat civil tonight. Really appreciate you guys being here. Um, you know, with with almost every broadcast, it's like I see the same moderators coming back. I really appreciate you guys. James One Hundred Twenty Two is back. Mama Bear, Mark Allen, Irene C, Mike K. Gunder, uh, Jared Rice, and a whole bunch of a bunch of others. I really appreciate you guys showing up. And if this blesses you be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss future broadcasts. make sure you hit the thumbs up and then share it in your socials that way uh, you can get the good word out because unfortunately there is a lot of suppression of christian content on youtube right now it's not being shared like it used to be so you have to directly share it basically to your socials that's how we uh, can get around that type of censorship. but guys without further ado let's bring on our guests and we're going to be bringing in both keegan weatherford and jeremy spainauer Welcome, brothers.
2: Welcome. Thanks, brother.
1: And we also have Brian. Brian is joining us tonight for the conversation. Welcome, brother. Yes, sir. Hey, brother. And and guys, for everyone that's curious, um, Brian is actually acquaintances with Keegan, and they've been um, friends for a few years now. And Brian approached Keegan and said, hey, would you guys like to come on to Sean's channel? You guys talk about Torah and covenant. and, And that's where I guess Keegan reached out to his friend who's a pastor, Jeremy, and then they all decided to do it. So I was happy. I said, let's do it. Yep. Welcome, everybody.
3: It's good to be here. Thanks for having us. You had a fancy opener to this video. It's pretty cool. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, We I try to, you know, um, put up a little production value um, after three years. So it's, yeah, I just nice. try to continually get it better, you know. Nice. Yeah. It's easy when you're just clicking buttons and you don't have to coordinate a lot of people <laughs> like you do at a church, you know. Yeah, right. that's right. But uh, gentlemen, if you will if you don't mind, just give us a, just a, a moment or two. Each of you, just go through and share a little bit about yourself, and uh, I, I don't know whatever you might think to include. How long you've been a believer? Um, what what's that walk been like? If you can summarize that in a couple minutes, so you're welcome to introduce yourselves. Keegan, why don't you go first?
3: Sure. <clears throat> My name is Keegan. I ran into Jesus when I was 19. I came out of the party scene, so I did all sorts of dumb stuff. Drank a lot. Smoked a lot of of the green sticky stuff and uh had to run from the cops a few times and then i ran into jesus when i was 19 and he turned my world upside down and right side up at the same time and uh ended up going into missions with ywam around the world for a little bit and i just love talking to people about jesus and one day i was driving from montana to washington state and saw a guy on the side of the road and i was like i felt like god stirred in me to pick him up and that happens to be brian so that's how we met we, nice. we drove for a little bit and we actually i just got finished with the bible school in montana and then he jumps in the car and he was kind of in the place of searching so we did like bible overview and talked about you know the law and the prophets and all the way into the new new testament and so anyways cool and me and jeremy used to spar together that's how i know him he that's hits right. he hits really hard oh, whatever <laughs>
1: In fact, Keegan, when you were talking about you said a couple of times in your conversion, you ran into Jesus. I just kept thinking about that. That moment in the movie Man of Steel, where the guy at the bar is trying to hit Superman. And he just like bounces back because it's just (laughs) it's like he's hitting the wall. That's the way I envision people's conversion when they run into Jesus. Right. Because that's, you know, you just get smacked and get, get to rock bottom real quick. He brings you to a point of repentance.
0: Yes, sir. It's also what it was like when Keegan tried to hit me.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I did, I did hit good. you and he got mad and hit me back. Probably <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: That's great. All right. Jeremy, what about you, brother?
3: Uh,
0: similar background. Uh, I was in the party scene. I had kind of a messed up childhood and uh dropped out of high school and was doing drugs and all the rest. And uh and I had an encounter with Jesus when I was 22 in my bedroom by myself, not looking for Him, uh, but He was apparently looking for me. And I had I had been raised in and around the church. I was in the church, uh, but not not of the church, if it, mm-hmm. if you see what I'm saying. Sure. Um, and uh, yeah, I just in a moment, I I just had this revelation of. The gospel being the truth, and it was like all of the discipleship in my history became like like a landing strip of lights, and I knew exactly what it meant to be a Christian because I, you know, been exposed to it my whole life, and uh, yeah, from that point forward, it was a radical change. And actually, the the way I even know Keegan is, I ended up in the same Bible school in Montana with YWAM Youth with a Mission, nice, and then uh, eventually got out of YWAM and. And went back to school and uh, went through that track and became a pastor. Now I'm here in uh, in Washington State. So Awesome. Yep. Awesome, awesome.
1: All right, Brian, what about you, brother?
2: Uh, I spent, and Keegan actually took me to uh, Barnes & Noble after he picked me up and got me a new Bible. So <laughs> Yes, sir. Um, I spent two years hitchhiking across country with my King James, and I just wanted to get closer to God. And I slept behind buildings and all that. And i spent six months in montana i've been to multiple states a lot of weird things happen but what sealed the knot is some lady picked me up in tacoma she prayed for me put her hand on me and i came out of my body for like 10 seconds i don't know how to describe the feeling but i wasn't in my flesh no more and i came out and when i got came to i hopped out of the seat and i said what was that so that that right there sealed the knot for me that this is truth yeah oh that's interesting
1: that kind of reminds me of second corinthians 12 right Paul's Mm -hmm. talking about this vision. He doesn't know if it was in the body or out of the body. He's kind of confused Mm -hmm. about it. So yeah, uh, well, brothers, uh, it's glad to have you on tonight. And I think um, um, I I myself have been a Christian since July 17th, 1997, kind of similar to Jeremy. I I wasn't at a church altar call. I wasn't really in a position where people were trying to evangelize me or talk to me. I'd grown up in church, but I was just doing what I thought I had to do to get by because my family, my dad was a pastor for a long time. And then uh, that was it. Was a regular habit and tradition from our family to go to church, but was it really anything real to me? Not until July 17, 1997, um, sitting in the back of a minivan on <laughs> I-95 in New Jersey, just depressed because I'd went through a breakup and just having an internal conversation in my head with God, you know, asking him to basically daring him to prove to me he was real. And boy, did he ever! Nice. So um, at that moment, I immediately wanted to read the Word and couldn't stop. Haven't stopped since then, and. Um, it's just been a wonderful, wonderful journey, even though I've made all the mistakes, the father hasn't. So it's been, it's been a lopsided journey. And so, uh, but yeah, it's it, to me, I have a, a passion for the word. I, I love to talk about the scriptures and I'm just excited that the three of you wanted to come on and talk about them tonight. Now for yeah. the audience watching, I just want to let you guys know, and some of you may, may know because you've seen my channel, but if you're just seeing this for the first time, go ahead and subscribe. But, um, I don't think we all agree On what we're going to talk about tonight we're all believers we all agree that you know father and the son salvation comes through the son alone that this is this is the basic fundamentals of of our belief and our faith in christ but at the same time i think there's some minute points that we're going to review tonight uh one of them being whether or not we're in the old or the new covenant or even some some you know allotment in between those two and then also how much of god's instructions which we often call torah here on this channel how much of his instructions from throughout the Bible do apply to us today as believers and disciples of Jesus? So, guys, uh, hopefully, y'all are ready for a fun conversation. And yeah. I honestly don't know even know where to start. Uh, Brian, did you yeah. have a question that you wanted to pose for
2: for any of us? No, not specifically. I'm just in my walk as as a believer, as I'm at a standstill. Where, you know, do do you know do I follow Torah, the Gospel, both of them, and you know that's that's where I'm at trying yeah. to figure it out because there's so many different denominations there's so many i have a pastor buddy that that the pastors a uh ex coworker that pastors a uh pentecostal church and uh you know his stance is you know the law's nailed to the cross it's done away with anything new covenant theology anything from Matthew on is what we adhere to
1: so i can okay well I won't ask the pointy questions yet, but let me ask you this a lot of times. Um, I, I love detective shows, right? And so there's like a famous line in detective shows that usually you, know, you can almost solve the case by asking the right question. So you just you just posed a dichotomy within your question, which was, should we do the gospel or the Torah? Who's convinced you that those are two separate things?
2: Right, right. Yeah, so, no, I agree. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, that, no, it's a genuine question because that's growing up on my life. I heard that it was two separate things. Then I started to study it, and I and I came to the conclusion personally that it was not two separate things. That Yeshua, our our Messiah, he followed the Torah. That was why he's without sin, and that he instructed us to follow the Torah in multiple places in the old in the uh, New New Testament Gospels. So, this is where sometimes we run into a dichotomy that's posed to us, and it can it can stumble us up or confuse us. But um, I would say personally, the Gospel, which is you know and then we have to define what good news, that word just means good news. So then we have to talk about what good news are we actually discussing tonight. So if is it just the good news of, his, of Yeshua's life death and resurrection, like Paul talks about First Corinthians 15 1 through3, or is it the good news that Yeshua talked about 44 different times in the four Gospels, which was what he called the good news or the gospel of the kingdom of God? Which, which includes covenant behavior, which includes resurrection, which includes him as the high priest and the king over that kingdom, which includes the behavior of that kingdom being the Torah, to my understanding. So what do you got, Keegan, Jeremy, what would you guys think yeah. about that? Uh,
0: well, just to clarify, this is making a little more sense what you shared just before we got on here. Um, uh, I, w- I would totally agree that if you're defining Torah as... Discipleship of Jesus. Then, of course, there is there actually is no dichotomy because you've just defined it within that frame of reference. Sure. I think the I think the debate around this issue has to do with the relationship between the law and the gospel, kind of the classic categories. So, uh, does that make sense just for establishing the categories we're dealing with?
1: Uh, who you're addressing?
0: I'm a ad- I'm addressing you.
1: Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. And that's where I was trying to find the word gospel for us and see which which term that we're using that by. If it's the mm-hmm. good news of Jesus, his life, death and resurrection, mm-hmm. then um, I would still say we have we struggle to to draw a definitive distinction between what's called Torah, the instructions of God for living, the, the commandments, the commandments um, from our Messiah, um, because both he did them perfectly before he resurrected. Yeah. And now he continues to do that behavior after he resurrects. Um, his, his behavior doesn't change in my opinion. This is, in fact, I would pose that he's actually doing the Torah more than anyone else right now, because he's a high priest. He's been put into a priesthood. Uh, this mm-hmm. is why first John one, uh, nine would say that we would confess our sins. That's why he, in his position of priesthood is faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Mm-hmm. Um, because he's literally as Hebrews eight, one through five talks about, he's ministering in the heavenly tabernacle above doing his priesthood. Mm-hmm. Um, so therefore, he has to be doing the Torah, which is the instructions yeah. for a priest to make atonement on behalf of right. the man before
0: God. Yeah. And you and so, well, Hebrews 8 is maybe a, a good place for us to at least eventually go, because yeah. that's where the question of covenant is brought up in in proper terms. Right. Where we we read about a better covenant, Christ being the new mediator, according to a different priesthood. Right. Not a priest. he He wasn't even qualified to be a priesthood of the, uh, a priest of the old covenant. He was not a Levite. He was That's descended right. from Judah. He was a priest in the order of Melchizedek, whose right. priesthood was based on the power of an indestructible life. It's a completely different order. But I agree mm-hmm. with you. He is, he, is at, he is our mediator right now under, what I would say, the new covenant. And so I think this is where the question comes in. And I, let me just clarify one thing just to preempt uh, maybe an assumption that that maybe you have with other people in this debate um i would reject what would be termed antinomianism against the law an, a kind of a kind of anti-legalism that just tosses out the law as a correction yeah.
1: right but and i it starts don't think, to make up a, a new definition of the law by lumping it into this law of christ idea
0: yeah that's right and and i would reject that but but i i wouldn't say um i i wouldn't try to correct antinomianism by being kind of a pro-legalism. But let me qualify it in this sense. I don't think the law, I don't think the old covenant, or sorry, I don't think the new covenant lowers the standard of discipleship, of our obedience, of what's required of us. I actually think it raises the standard mm-hmm. of what's required of us. Jesus came and said, you've heard it said, don't murder. The law says don't murder. But what do I say? Speaking on his own mm-hmm. authority. You shall not be angry with your brother. You're liable to judgment if you're angry with your brother. And, and there's this constant contrast. The law says don't commit adultery. I say don't lust. The law says mm-hmm. love your neighbor. I say love your enemy. So, yeah. so I actually think the, the requirement, the, the standard is, is much higher under the gospel. It's just that we have a new safety net, as it were, of grace. That's the way I would well, articulate mm-hmm. the broad contours of the way i describe it.
1: Absolutely. And I've definitely, um, you know, grown up in my life, um, I definitely heard that same description quite often. But Jeremy, what if I said to you that the, th- the things that, that Yeshua repeated in those moments where he's he's drawn that that distinction between you've heard it said, don't murder say don't be angry with your brother. You've heard it said, don't commit adultery. I said, don't lust in your heart. What if I said the things that he countered with are also
0: in the law in the Old Testament? I, I would just say, explain what you mean. Well,
1: like if the you, you know uh, Leviticus 19, I think it's verse uh, um, 16. Don't don't hold an anger or grudge in your heart against your brethren, but you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's it's actually in Leviticus 19. It's already there. And so. Okay, but what
0: what about love your enemy?
1: Yes, the 100% is to love your enemy as well. I don't know. Well, uh, no, if anyone's in the chat.
0: Where, yeah, where does it say in the Old Testament mm-hmm. to love your enemy? I mean, love your love the sojourner mm-hmm. among you. Right, yeah. love the foreigner, but but yeah. where explicitly does it say love yeah. your enemy that, and pray for those who persecute you? Those seem if, like addendums to me.
1: Oh yeah. Well, here's the big question that you would have to have if you're gonna suggest that the Messiah is adding addendums to God's instructions for living, would be to to, to say on what authority can someone who's submissive to the Father's instructions, which he claims he was, in John fifteen, eight through eleven, and uh You know, he totally everything he he says totally was submissive, right? right. So, so at what point did the father say, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna allow my son to just make up new rules for instruction for discipleship"?
0: Well, hold on, you got to deal with the original question. Where does it say love your love your enemy? And and remember what he says uh, to introduce this. You remember Matthew five, right? Mm -hmm. Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall not even enter the kingdom of heaven. I take that to mean the scribes and Pharisees as representing the law. I don't think what he's referring to is the corrupt scribes and Pharisees, because surely there were scribes and Pharisees who were mm-hmm. obeying the law. So, so I, would, I would regard that as Jesus himself saying, I'm right. about to introduce something that exceeds the righteousness that the law demanded. And I think he is the only one who perfectly fulfills that. That's the way I no, understand he-
1: no, I totally agree. But there, there's a little bit of context that we're missing out on, on where you quoted from Matthew 5, 19 and 20. Okay. And, I, and I'm, before we go to Proverbs 25 to talk about loving your enemy, um, I, I would quickly want to address the context of Matthew five seventeen through 18. And if you don't mind, I'll put it on screen for all of us to, to read along. Just give me one second. Let me pull it up here. Because I agree with you. Um, we have Joseph Arimathea and Nicodemus are two examples of Pharisees who seem to have faith. They seem to, I mean, they call themselves disciples of Yeshua. And uh, they, they even went through great expense to bury him um, when the time came. And uh, even Nicodemus, if I'm not mistaken, putting or Joseph of Aranthea, putting himself at risk with the Romans to request the body of Yeshua um, once the time came for him to pull him off the cross. So let me pull this uh, verse up real quick so we can all read along, do a little screen share.
3: What translation are you using?
1: Uh, this will be the KJV. You guys have a specific translation you feel
2: comfortable with?
3: Oh, I mean, it's it's all pretty close. So okay, right.
1: yeah. I mean, I know that some people are like diehard KJV. I'm not. I sometimes switch between NASB, KJV, ESV, Septuagint. People always ask me in the in the comments of my videos which translation to use, and I just try to jokingly say I I use all of them that I can. I always try to cross reference the different mm-hmm. translations, you know, because they're using sometimes different manuscripts for their translation. Hmm. So if we look here on screen, yes, you're 100% right. Yeshua did say your righteousness needs to exceed that of the Pharisees. But what's the context of why he led up to that statement? And it's 17 through 19 where he says, think not that I come to destroy the law or the prophets, but I've not come to destroy, but to fulfill. And that word yep. in the Hebrew means to, or word in the Greek means to accomplish, to do. Absolutely. Verily I say to you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law to all Mm -hmm. fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Mm -hmm. So we have from this point on, this wonderful Sermon on the Mount time period going Mm -hmm. forward, we have an escalation in Mm -hmm. friction between the Pharisees who ruled... The Sanhedrin of that day and Yeshua walking around preaching and healing people. Mm-hmm. And that friction escalates to the point where he's reprimanding them almost at every turn. <laughs> he's making them very mad. They're starting by chapter eight or nine, they're plotting into killing. And then he, uh, he really makes them mad by verse 23 Oh, yeah. or chapter 23, when he goes on and he says, then spoke Jesus to the multitude and the disciples saying the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. That's where they would read the law in the synagogues. And all therefore, whatever they bid you observe, that means whatever they're reading to you to observe that and practice that, but observe and do, but do not do after their works, for they say the things they read, but they don't actually do them. Mm-hmm. Right? So he's calling out their hypocrisy because the, the prevalent majority of the Pharisees and the scribes that that were the religious leaders of the day were not doing the actual Torah of God from the Old Testament. In fact, we're teaching lots of traditions of men to the people. And we actually have this spoken uh, specifically in Mark chapter 7, where he's, he's reprimanding the Pharisees again by explaining to them that they lay aside the commandments of God and hold to the traditions of men he says, mm-hmm. Full well, you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your own tradition. And they do. he calls them out on this kind of behavior many, many times in scripture. So I would say in the context of Matthew 5, 17 through 20, he just tells them as far as greatest and least in the kingdom of God, people that teach to not do the commandments will be least. Teach that, People that teach to do the commandments would be the greatest. And then he follows it up with, because your righteousness, which that word righteousness as a definition we can review here in a minute, it must be greater than the Pharisees. The mm-hmm. Pharisees were basically so, you, you,
0: so, so so you, the way you interpret that is that he's base he's generalizing the Pharisees only as those who were the, the hypocrites among them. You don't think they that he's referring to a, a standard higher than the law? Is that well, that's, what you're why, that's why that's why I
1: pulled up Matthew twenty-three because okay. yeah, th- yeah,
0: yeah I, I yeah yeah I, I was just clarifying yeah and, and and that's fair I I don't agree with you but I see where you the the Pharisees are kind of thrown under the bus throughout the Gospels there's a few exceptions maybe yeah. but but I can see why you'd say that I, I still in the law of Moses let's just focus on this one this just one thing that we haven't we haven't established in the law of Moses you're saying there was a command in the law of Moses to love your enemies.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So
0: show me where that is.
1: No, it's 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 not in the law of Moses. That's another thing that oh. we might want to make sure we're using the right definitions together tonight. Okay. That's where I was saying Torah is the instructions of God mm-hmm. that's given through the prophets. That's okay. and we get that through more than just Moses, right? Yes. We get that Yeshua himself he referred to as uh, the prophets, the mm-hmm. writings of Moses. Um, mm-hmm. And even the Psalms, he referred yeah. to them as scriptures, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm just thinking that we would I think we all believe that Proverbs is scripture, right?
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, but well, here's where here's where it matters. What the law of Moses does specifically is it creates the the boundary line that defines transgression, right? Now no, you could that... say okay, so this is where we might have a major disagreement. See, I, I would I would argue that that's my understanding of the law. Now, sin is a broader category, but transgression. Well, go ahead. I, would I was like gonna, to hear what you I was just going to
1: say that, that just as we have in Hebrews chapter one verse one, mm-hmm. that the Father spoke through many prophets in many portions throughout the years. Mm-hmm. Okay, those all of those words are applicable to us, is what I would suggest. This is where we fall into. hundred oh, percent. This, this dichotomy that is is propagated in in. A lot of uh, a lot of churches where they say, "Well, the law of Moses is Judaism." That's what is done away with. That's what you know, Colossians two is nailed to the cross. According to the people's, in my opinion, their misunderstanding of Colossians. Mm-hmm. So this is where they've drawn this hard and fast line that Judaism promotes the law of Moses, but that's not what the scriptures say, and that's not what the scriptures define as. The father's instructions for us and for our behavior.
0: Oh, I didn't say that. Yeah, so, what I was what I was referring to, uh, I put it in the context of the covenant and the whole covenantal system: temple, priesthood, sacrifices, sin offerings, guilt offerings. Right?
1: Yeah. Just just real quick, I would say here in Proverbs twenty five before we get too far away, okay. this is the spot you're asking about. This is one of them. There's other ones, especially going to First Samuel. We've got other places. David exemplifies this. If your enemy's hungry, give him bread to eat. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. This requires, okay, that doesn't then, say
0: love your enemy. Okay, well, this
1: is loving behavior, my brother.
0: Yeah, okay, it's loving behavior, but just yeah. for the record, it Jesus makes a positively yeah. stated command at the culmination. Right. You might say of his moral commands in the Sermon on the Mount, just before he introduces the Lord's Prayer. Right. Yeah. And and it culminates in love your neighbor. Uh, you've heard it said, he, he's right. the one drawing the contrast. And right. I think he's doing so on the whole basis of the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees as this is what you've heard them say, right? Right. Because remember, they're,
1: say. they're not teaching the fullness of the Torah. They're teaching commandments. They're teaching traditions over commandments as we just reviewed the scriptures. That's what I was, that's what I was trying to okay. draw that, that dichotomy to show you that even Yeshua oh, is okay. trying to acknowledge to but, the people that they're teaching yes. something not fully in the Torah not fully right. in the instructions okay. of God from the but, prophets.
0: But what was but what was generally understood as binding was the law of Moses. Would you agree with that? What was understood? And he was speaking into that. And he was indeed, it's not like I think Jesus introduced any new principles, but he did introduce new definitive and binding commands, right? It, it, in saying what love, love your enemy. Commands? That was never said. I, I'm just let's focus well, I, on the word. I would suggest that's never it said in scripture. I would suggest Other than when Jesus
1: said it. Not in those specific words, just like there's uh-huh. a lot of principles that are expressed in the old testament that we get re-expressed in different ways, like through Paul's letters, right? I just had on the screen here Proverbs 25, 21, which Paul repeats in uh, Romans chapter 12 about you know that if you do good to your enemies, it's like heaping coals of fire upon their head, and the Lord will reward you for this. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's pulling directly from Proverbs twenty-five, twenty-one and saying that. Okay. So this is um Paul. Reiterating, love your enemies, okay. do good to them.
0: Yeah.
1: So I, don't, so, I just so, don't know what other yeah. way we well, would define love, well, and other than to do good to, to those people. that we,
0: Okay, you know. this is uh, we'll, we'll, we'll agree to disagree on this one. Let me ask you this: okay. how how, um, how do you think the term law or namas is used in the New Testament uh, when when the the law is referred to? It. Do you, do you think it's referring to the law of Moses, or do you think it's referring to what you're calling the Torah?
1: Well, which which usage are you thinking of?
0: Uh, well, Romans eight, for example, that may be a good yeah. We can go there. Case, yeah,
1: yeah. Let me see here. i will pull this up on screen for us to look at. Is there a specific verse you're thinking of?
0: Uh, Romans eight, one through uh, one through actually we'll one through. No, you can. I mean, we can. I mean, I'd love to read all of Romans eight together because it's one of my favorite chapters of the Bible. But even even just one through four will give us because I don't want us to try to cover too much. Let's look at one through four at first.
1: Okay. I just as you know, remember this is Kingdom in Context. Um, This is a secondary channel of Kingdom in Context. It's called Kingdom Cast, and what we focus on is context. Beautiful. So and when you say context,
0: when you say context. Because there's many contexts. There's literary yeah. context. There's canonical context. There's historical context. right. That's right. So there's covenantal context, you might say. Well, actually, we might disagree on that, right? But, but, but what do you mean when you say context? I, I, mean, I just
1: mean, I, I suggest we read all eight verses in the passage. Um, okay, beautiful. Because there seems to be a break in, in the thoughts between verses 8 yeah. and 9, You know, as yeah. far as the, the context of the Maybe
0: passage. start in 725 then. Just because yeah, we, there's a therefore, we need to know what it's yeah. there for, right? Yeah. yeah, we
1: always try to remind the audience that uh, yeah. in the Greek, they didn't have verses or chapters. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So right. we can definitely start in 25. It says, and I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind on myself, serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Mm-hmm. Okay. So with that, it goes right into Romans 8:1, and it mm-hmm. says, therefore... There is now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, that it was weak through the flesh, God sent in his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, us. who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh Do mind the things of the flesh But they that are after the spirit Mind the things of the spirit For to be carnally minded is death But to be spiritually minded is life and peace Because the carnal mind is enmity against God For it cannot subject to the law For it is not subject to the law of God Neither can it be So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God
0: Yeah What would you like to
1: point out About this passage?
0: Well well, remember my question was mm-hmm. when you in in references to the law in the New Testament. I'm trying to get an understanding of your understanding of the way law is generally used in discussions like this. I sure. mean, Paul's consistent in his use. There's uh Well, until he gets to
1: course. chapter 10 and when he starts breaking down the law of Moses versus the law of righteousness we get through Christ.
0: Yes. Right.
1: right. So, yeah, if okay. you'd like, I will break down verses two, three and four, if you like real quick, because I always try to do it through the definitions of terms. And that yep. usually gives us a good starting place. That's so, where
0: you have to start. So,
1: yep. And I, good. I would suggest that verse one is that we don't have any condemnation because we now have a high priest, Jesus Christ, whom Peter explains in Acts 2, 33 and 34. who's ascended to his priesthood position and now gives us the spirit as he chooses. So OK, a wonderful shortcut, if you will, to God's power. And and, and, and he and, is a,
0: he is a mediator. He's the mm-hmm. high priest, according to a First new Matthews covenant. 5, Hebrews right. 5. A, a new covenant.
1: He's uh, well, yeah, we can definitely get there. Yeah. OK, we'll go to after this
0: then. OK, for sure. Yep.
1: Um, Because that's going to lead us back to Jeremiah when the when the concepts Jeremiah 31. Yeah. A bunch of places.
0: Yeah. Beautiful.
1: Um, And I think people in the chat want us to address address Luke 20, 22 at some point and some other places where you should have mentioned. Oh, yeah. Okay, good. So basically, um, the law of the spirit of life in Christ, Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. What would Mm. you say the law of sin and death is? Uh,
0: I would understand that to be the effect of the... Law. So when Paul talks about the law of sin and death, I think he is referring to the law of Moses and the effect it had on us, right? Because the law defines sin. Mm-hmm. The wages of sin is death, Romans 6. And so he's saying that it, this law of the uh, spirit of life in Christ has set us free from the law of sin and death. And then he points out what the law couldn't do for God has done has done what the law couldn't do, weakened as it was by the flesh, by sending us His own Son as a sin offering. It's,
1: okay, and how do how do you see that happening? So if we, and by the way, I just want to throw this out there that we keep using this term "law of Moses." Mm-hmm. It's literally not Moses's invention. He got those from the Father.
0: Yeah, I'm using it as an idiom because right. I'm trying it just for communication's sake, right? No, I
1: get it, but but what? But unfortunately, what it does when you carry that idiom into every book of the Bible. Uh-huh. It makes people think Judaism. Yeah. So that's the modern connotation when people hear law of Moses. Um, okay. But really, if we go back to Exodus, Moses got all that information from the father. So he, it's not,
0: Yeah,
1: it's not really something he made up. It just was a cultural idiom, like you're saying, attributed to Moses, because yeah. that was where the, the, even, quote, quote, the lawgiver.
0: Yeah, right. But the Bible yeah. also refers to the law of Moses. So it's not foreign to the text right so right but, yep. but I, I but i appreciate what you're saying yeah. absolutely so but so that's, how, two, that's how i'd understand Yeah.
1: okay go ahead and so i would suggest this is a reference to the priesthood of yeshua in verses two through four okay the law the spirit of life in christ jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death are you currently free from the law and sin and death in your can you no longer transgress the law and be susceptible to the punishment of death at this point in your life.
0: Uh, well, I am I am obviously going to die. So, no.
1: Okay.
0: I'm under I am under the judgment of the law. Uh, we all are. We're all right. going to die. So, right. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. So this is why I was saying the way that the law of the spirit of life in Christ is only attained through his priesthood because in that position of power, in that position of authority over us, He's able to raise us to eternal life because he's atoned for our sins and he's yeah. able to give us new life. And, and this is what's I, I, expounded upon in John chapter 5, as well as Hebrews, sure, even up sure. to Revelation yeah. 3 15. yeah I, I'm,
0: cu- I'm curious, um, I'm curious why you're invoking the priesthood in this discussion. Paul kind of famously because it's verse doesn't... 3, mm-hmm. it's verse
1: 3. Paul actually speaks about the resurrection emphatically throughout the book of Romans, he actually mentions it 14. It's actually the backdrop of context to 14 different passages in this, in the book. So in in chapter, in verse three, this is why, unless you, unless you're unfamiliar with the priesthood of Yeshua, you would under, you would not be aware of the process required that he's mentioning in verse three for what the law could Mm -hmm. not do. The law cannot give you atonement to the point of raising you to eternal life. Would you agree with that?
0: Oh, yeah, but I don't agree that that's what he's talking about I know I, I know
1: I'm just trying to give you my okay. understanding of the yeah okay, yeah, applies to the priesthood of Yeshua, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I definitely understand you don't you don't agree with this, so yeah. but what, what I'm saying here is for the law could not do right that's the mm-hmm. law could not even though there was frail priests as Hebrews chapter seven explains, mm-hmm. the law did not have its own power just by us abiding in the instructions mm-hmm. of God, I couldn't secure. That. You cannot secure for you to yes. raise your and quicken your body to a glorified body and give you eternal life. Yes. That's needed to come through a conduit of the Father Spirit through, his, through a priest. That's why Yeshua,
2: beautiful I agree he was with even that. born,
1: Yeshua yep. was nominated for that position. So yes. that's why he's saying, though he we was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, mm-hmm. so that the righteousness of the law, that is the yep. word righteousness means the right behavior, of the law mm-hmm. might yes. be fulfilled in us. Who That's, might be what's the word fulfilled mean? Yeah. Might be fulfilled. Well, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. In
0: but us. the next clause yeah. is the key to the whole passage. Oh, it's going to make... get.
1: Yeah, I love it. Yeah. So okay. this is why it says, "Though and who, the, the, the righteousness of the law, the right behavior that Jesus exemplified, might be fulfilled in us because we're discipling after His behavior in this mm-hmm. lifetime. In the new covenant, we get that emblazoned on our heart and do it faithfully forever, mm-hmm. with our new glorified bodies." So, oh, this okay, is why, that, now yeah, that helps me yeah, understand where we're you're going. There, there, okay. I promise you, I'm not putting you off. I'm just yeah, yeah. I'm helping the audience follow us. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, this is why we who walk not after the flesh, because if you're walking after the flesh, you're not doing the law of God. You're not doing the behavior of Jesus. Yes. Right. Okay. It says, but that's us who walk after the Spirit. Aha. Uh-huh. Yes. So, yes. I would suggest in verse three and four, Paul's making a direct correlation to the righteous behavior of Yeshua that we complete and do is directly called walking in the spirit. He expounds upon that in verses five to eight by saying, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. He also says in the previous chapter, Romans 7, 12, the law is spiritual. Mm-hmm. He goes on to say in verse six here, for to be carnally minded is death. The spiritual mind is life and peace. Life and peace mm-hmm. is the promise of the covenant because you've done the behavior and discipleship. Yeah. Verse seven is because the carnal mind is enmity against God. But here's mm-hmm. the kicker. Here's the kicker brother. For it is not subject to the law of God. The carnal mind, the one Amen. that's in the flesh. Yep. It says it says it cannot be subject to the law of God.
0: Okay. Yeah, I agree. So
1: do okay. do I want to be in a carnal mind that's in the flesh and not subject to the law of God or do I want to be walking in the spirit and be subject to the instructions of God?
0: Oh, for sure. 100%. Okay, okay now. Okay. Now hey, I think I'm thinking I'm starting to understand your 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 understanding a little better, so this is good for communication. Let me ask one quick question, and then I want to just kind of spell out what I see in this text. Was the Holy uh, Spirit? Real, real quick, Jeremy. Under- I'm sorry. Yeah, to, I'm sorry ahead. to
1: interrupt you, brother. Hey, hey, Brian. There's a lot of um, mic noise on your phone. Do you, okay, brother. Appreciate, it, brother. Just yeah. un- unmute yourself when you're ready to come in, brother. Okay. Sorry, Jeremy.
0: Okay. What was the spirit of? Was the Holy Spirit, in your understanding? Available prior to Pentecost, after Jesus' death, in, in under the old covenant. Hundred percent, yeah. Okay, okay. See, this is where we disagree. Okay. Now,
1: what do you what do you think happens? Hold on. Let,
0: a- let me let me spell out my interpretation of this text because let's go to the text and then let's have the conversation. Okay. Because you spelled out yours, right? So okay. Could which you text? Put that, uh, Romans yeah. eight one through. Okay. That, sure. Okay. So what I see is Paul at the very beginning. Okay. He sets up a contrast. There's no for, uh, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Oh, yeah, there we go. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law, not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So those are the categories he starts with. For the law, and then he mm-hmm. brings up these two categories consistent. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. So the law of the spirit of life corresponds to the spirit in verse 1, just as Mm -hmm. the law of sin and death corresponds to the flesh in verse 1. In this contrast, you have to keep it in balance the whole time Mm -hmm. because he's referring to this carnal nature as in specific relation to this law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, why couldn't it do it? Because the law didn't have any power that Mm -hmm. came with it. That's his that's what he says. Weak as it was through the flesh. Whose flesh? Our flesh. Okay. To, so hold on. Ask, let me finish. Let me finish. Well, and then okay. we'll, let me give the full kind of exposition. Let's stick to the text and then we'll have the conversation. Oh, sure. Weak as it was through the flesh. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Sorry, I'm doing it from memory and it's not King James. It's in ASB. Uh, And for sin, he condemned... Let's go there for you real quick. Okay, thanks. I know it's kind of confusing. I'm like, wait. (laughs) Uh, He condemned sin in the flesh so that... And this is where you and I are like high-fiving. We're on board, same page. So that... See, the whole point is that God did want the righteous requirements of the law to be fulfilled in us, right? So that the righteous, righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. How? Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. See, I believe the Spirit being sent at Pentecost enabled those who believe in Christ and are filled with the Spirit to fulfill the righteous requirements of the law. But it is by the power of God working in us, as it talks about in Hebrews 13, God working in us under the new covenant. That's a new covenant reality that wasn't a reality under the old covenant. And then the rest of the passage Corresponds to that contrast That's the way I'd read that passage Yeah.
1: Well the biggest reason I disagree with your Interpretation of that passage brother is because If you don't think the spirit enabled People to do the righteous requirements of God Which was instructed to them to do You have a couple contradictory theological ideas The first one would be Why would even the father give Them the requirement and expect them To do it and tell them in Deuteronomy 6 25 if you do this behavior I'm giving You it'll be considered righteousness for you And the second contradictory idea would be that's not a contradiction,
0: but, but go ahead with the second and I'll explain. Well, I mean, according to
1: how most people would, would say what you've just said and how you interpreted this Mm -hmm. to think that if I, I can't do the requirements of behavior of righteous behavior Mm -hmm. for me, unless I have the spirit of God. And that only came through Jesus after Jesus ascended to his priesthood, then you've got a big question mark for everyone who in the old Testament is called righteous. For example, we can even go to oh Luke.
0: righteous under that covenant. Okay, yeah, but but keep but going. But
1: here's the question: So you're yes. assuming that there's two different behaviors. So let's let's stick with your interpretation, and you say that going after the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, that we get through Jesus and His priesthood, right? What behavior would that prompt you to do?
0: Um, what do you mean?
1: Well, if you're you're saying that. Well, I can well, only do the righteous yeah, yeah. behavior required of I'll t- me. Because I'll tell of the you spirit. I'll
0: tell you I'll tell you what behavior require me to, it would prompt me to do. It would prompt me to love God and love people, but it would do more than what the law does because it would have a real-time power through the conviction, speaking and reality of God in my life. It would it would it would prompt Keegan to stop and pick up a hitchhiker in Montana named Brian so that we would one day end up talking on your YouTube channel right? The Holy Spirit is not Hmm. just a prohibition, a set of laws, a set of uh, rules outside. All of those laws, yes and amen. I'm not antinomian, but with the Holy Spirit, we have the real person of God indwelling us who can speak to us. As Jesus says, John 10: I know my sheep, my sheep hear my voice. There is a new level of knowing and intimacy that God wants with us and that's what the gospel is all about. It's about making true atonement at one minute with us. So that's the way I'd answer that.
1: Was it a new requirement? Was it a new behavior prompted by the spirit when the good Samaritan stopped and picked up the guy on the side of the road?
0: Uh, no, I mean, that was a parable, but no, it wouldn't have been a new I mean, Jesus exalts him as a Samaritan, as the exemplar, which would be kind of a new concept for those he was talking yeah. to, right?
1: Um, I just think of a, a multitude of examples in the Old Testament of, of people that exemplified that particular trait you said, as far as something that was added now that we have Christ and the Spirit through Christ.
0: Well, um, well I, th- I think I may. Well, let me ask you this, because this may help to clarify for the viewers what happened at Pentecost? Nothing, nothing happened, nothing new, nothing different happened at Pentecost. What what do you we, think happened when when the ahead. spirit
1: dropped and you should, mm-hmm. this well Peter explains it to us in Acts mm-hmm. 2, 32 yep. and 33 that he that, that the one who is now ascended to the heavenly father because he's stepping into his priesthood position now has access to the spirit to, to drop it on us as he did that day. Um, but we see the spirit drop on the prophets in first Samuel. Um, oh, yeah, it even drops out and just pours out onto onto salt. Totally. We see the spirit drop in Numbers chapter 11, so much yeah. so that it pours out on the 12 elders around the Ten of Meeting, including Moses and Aaron, as well yeah. as two random dudes named, what are those, yeah. those guys' names? Um, um, Me Dad and Eldad and Me Dad, right? Those those yeah. fun names. I need to get two t shirts that say Eldad and Me Dad. But, but those were yeah. specific Numbers 11, spirit yeah. drops, power flows out. Mm-hmm. Because why? because Aaron had completed the sacrifice and he had done it with the right heart because that's what you see in the previous two chapters earlier in chapter 9 of Leviticus mm-hmm. so not not numbers but, but earlier in chapter 9 of Leviticus mm-hmm. Aaron says why he didn't do his faithful duties as a high priest, because his heart wasn't in it. And Moses said, he understands because he had just lost his two boys that day. So I would suggest to you, brother, that the reason we have such a powerful outflow of the spirit now and greater access, like I, I joked earlier, we kind of have a shortcut through Yeshua's priesthood to the spirit of God. Whereas back in the day, they needed, just like Hebrews 7 explains, they needed a frail and weak, beset with weaknesses. They needed that kind of priest yeah. to be super faithful yeah. to do the righteous mm-hmm. requirements of the Father so the Spirit could drop. That's yeah. why in the few moments that they did do that, the Spirit mm-hmm. drops.
0: Okay, this is why I was very precise in my question, which was, was the Spirit available in yes. the same way in the yes. Old Testament? And it was, I but say, it required a high no, no, priest no, no, who no, was faithful. No, 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 I don't. It, the, you you cannot you cannot find a clear formula, as it were, in the Old Testament for who God fills with His Spirit. God does it spontaneously. God does whatever He wants, so He can fill anyone with His Spirit. It, but you, but you're but, trying but to say it, what, he didn't have
1: a process that He went by.
0: Oh, He had His count the counsel of His will, which is according to His His sovereign plan and His response as he sees is, fit. But hold on, but let me let me let me just let me draw the distinction that is so clear in the new covenant. Okay. And Pentecost Peter's sermon is a good example. If you just look at how that sermon begins and ends in these last days, he quotes Joel 2, I pour my spirit out on all flesh. Mm-hmm. Now how is that spirit accessible? It's accessible it according. Priesthood. Yeah, but but yes. sticking with the text of Acts two, it's it verse
1: is Thirty-two and thirty-three. Yeah, so it is
0: accessible, so. F- so through what the name of Jesus, so that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And they respond, "What must we do? Repent and be baptized, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit." That's right? right, right. And and that is guaranteed to all all who confess Jesus the Lord. First Corinthians eleven. Yeah. You I can't mean- even say Jesus is Lord apart from the Holy Spirit. Here's the difference. Here's the difference. The Holy Spirit is given to everyone. Who is under the new covenant? And the spirit Wait, is I, I would
1: suggest you just made a big leap in logic there, as uh, it, in at least a grammatical leap as far as connecting ideas. Um, because this is why I said the first contradiction like I did a minute ago. So let's I'm trying to stick an X two and well, stay well, with hold the Hold on, what, what you're saying. first
0: contradiction? Because I disagreed with that and I can't remember what it was. <laughs>
1: which is the idea that why would God even give these instructions and call them mm. righteousness if they did them, mm. if it didn't have any power to if they weren't prompted by the spirit to do them and there was no power in them to do anything for them. Mm-hmm. All I'm trying to say is what you're saying is you're the you're, whole point is using, to reveal
0: Christ. I'll just say that, but keep going.
1: OK, yeah, Okay. Yeah. 100 percent agree with those platitudes, brother. Those are your respect. Uh, it's not are, a
0: platitude. It's what Paul believed. That no, l- no, I'm law. saying those
1: what you're doing is you're describing huge concepts I'm not with talking sticker pla- phrases. Oh, hold
0: on, that was a little bit offensive. I'm not I'm not trying to throw out platitudes, I'm talking about actual expositions. So let's let's well, me, with me the too. Text. This is this is what okay. I'm saying in yeah. Acts
1: chapter two. Peter, who already knew what Yeshua was prophesied to come and do, yeah. he explains this even in his epistle, uh, second epistle later, as he tries to expl- exemplify that we will be made priests and kings with Yeshua, who's been made a priest and king. Yep. The whole writer of Hebrews explains to us that the name of Yeshua that you referenced, the one mentioned that Peter references in Acts chapter 2, is not just his phonetic sounding name. The word in Greek and Hebrew for name means authority.
0: I oh, uh, totally. You, so the I don't point think, of think I don't think Jesus is a name you can use in an incantation. Right. So the authenticity. Al- yeah. Okay. The reason I'm ahead.
1: saying all this is because. The, the we hear this all the time, like in the name of Jesus, you're saved, yes, 100%. But how does that actually work? Well, well, you start,
0: well, you have to start with the text, and mm-hmm. you go yes. to a text like Romans 10, for example. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord okay. and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll okay. be saved. Now, so we can't, di- I would just say, we can't discredit what the Bible actually says about confessing with our mouth. Now, only never, God Never knows. tried to discredit it, brother. okay? But what I'm saying is, like I'm starting with the text, not some big concept. We start with a text and go out from there. This is about context, right? Let's yeah, so the, You start first... with you start with a context, you start with a text and then deal with the context, right? Otherwise, we're just talking big narrative, correcting so, narratives, right? right. So let's, and I'm, I was okay. trying
1: to address the text that you mentioned in Acts 2,
0: Okay.
1: Peter mentions being saved by calling on the name of Jesus. And repent and, so and be but, baptized one, and you one second, will. Brother, I'm trying to actually answer your question. Okay yeah so the idea of addressing the text is you have to understand what the meaning of the words are so when you use a term like calling on the name of yeshua or jesus i'm asking do you understand that that means his authority as a priest that's what was given to him that's how he judges us um that's how he raises us to life
0: that's how he makes atonement for us well hold on back up back up back up time up uh I don't necessarily disagree that the name of Yahweh in the Old Testament, the name of Jesus in the New Testament. I don't necessarily disagree that it represents his authority, but I wouldn't, I would not restrict it to that. It also, I would add, always represents his identity and his presence. The name of God is always associated with. Obviously, just like any ordinary name with an identity, a distinct identity. In other words, God's not just Elohim. God is not just a God, right? God has a name. He has a particular identity. He is this God and not that God. And I think that's important. It may play into the discussion, but also represents his presence. So, for example, when uh, he says to Solomon that he will put his, he has chosen the place to put his name and his. Mm-hmm. Presence might dwell there. He's talking about right. the temple, right?
1: I, I do. And you you know the process of the temple, how the priesthood ministered in the temple yeah. and created judgment. They had the breastplate, the totally. urn and the thuming. Yep. Literally for judgment, right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> this, is, yeah. this is why they were the highest authority. Exodus chapter yeah. 28 and also in Leviticus chapter 8. Aaron yeah. is crowned. Yeah. Because he is, as a high priest, he's in ultimate authority over the people. We also see this, and they're, they're specifically yeah. it's not only supposed to teach the instructions of Yahweh to the people, but also render judgment before the people.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: This is why when we're brought into the Melchizedek priesthood at the resurrection, we're ruling and reigning with Yeshua because we step okay. into a priesthood. Yeshua is uh, already in that priesthood. Mm-hmm. So he already, has, as Hebrews 1 explains to us, he already has a name above all names, Hebrews one five. Mm-hmm. He has an authority above all authorities that goes on to expound even above the angels. He has an authority Mm -hmm. above all things, heaven and earth. He's, you know, Matthew 11, Matthew 28, 19, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. That's Mm -hmm. because he's prophesied before he showed up in the womb of Mary. He was prophesied to become a priest, Psalm 110, 1 through 4, in the order of Melchizedek.
0: Mm -hmm. A
1: high priest specifically.
0: So So this is why when someone calls
1: on the name of that position, Mm -hmm. that position has to have some sort of process that affects the results you're looking for, people are looking for. Just like you would go in the Old Testament in Leviticus 16, the high priest yeah. would receive the sins of the people of Israel and make atonement for them on the Day of Atonement. Okay.
2: Do, just do like,
0: you, oh, sorry, go
1: ahead. Yeah, I'm just saying. I'm explaining yeah. these ideas of the priesthood yeah. because this is yeah. what our Savior embodies at this
0: the, point. This is a, this is a good, I think, a good place to to take the conversation because um, we can, I think, understand how each other view the law by talking about the priesthood and the sure. temple, right? We need to talk about both because I, I believe that what's from the plain words of Scripture, what Peter says, for example, in 1 Peter 2, in, in Exodus 19, you remember when God gave the law to Moses, if you obey my commandments and statutes, so forth, you will be to me a holy people a royal priest, a people for my own possession i take first peter 2 as saying definitively it's no longer based on the same conditions as it was as it as it was in exodus 19 when god gave the people the law but which, now which
1: verse are you going off of uh,
0: we, uh, the exodus or first peter first
1: uh, peter which verse are you referring uh, to
0: first peter 2:19 i believe Let's see. I have got it here on the screen for us. Was it second okay. 2
1: Peter 2:19 2, maybe?
0: No. Uh first Peter 2 um 9. Sorry, not 19, oh, my bad. Okay. Yeah. That's all right. So so he uh Okay, so this Yep, yeah, d- go ahead.
1: This right here, your chosen yeah. people who are a priest of holy nation, yeah, people yeah. for God's own possession. Um this is the promise in Exodus
0: 19:5. It's uh, well, in in Exodus 19:5 and 6. It's not in the. It's not simply in a form of a promise, but a form of a conditional promise, right? Yeah. What's it say? If you, well, what? sure, if you it's
1: what? Same thing. If I believe in Jesus Christ, He'll take me as my people. But if I reject oh, Him, no, he no. Won't, right? no.
0: But what does it say? If you what? If you keep my command, obey, right? And but in fact, let's let's, let's go just there go right there. Right. Yeah, let's do that.
1: But here's the point, though. Are are you suggesting that God's covenant that He that He. Uh, established and what i would say reaffirmed in exodus 19 through 24 on shavuot are you saying that that's the first time they ever received those instructions
0: no it's okay. the first time it's written in the text
1: it's written in what do you mean by that
0: exodus 195 and 6 is the first time the words of exodus 195 and 6 are written in the bible no, I'm just the,
1: us. the concept. Um, no, I mean like the concept of what he's talking about. Like you're saying, here, here's this, at the base of Mount Sinai. Here's this covenant moment where he brings the entire assembly before mm-hmm. the mountains says, yep. "Don't touch the mountain. Yep. Um, nobody come up here." We got this, that, the, the fiery cloud at the top and the, the, yep. the booming yep. voice of the Father, um, and you've got him saying, "If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you should be my own possession among all peoples for all the earth is mine." And you're saying this is the first time a conditional covenant offer was made. It wasn't made with anyone else before then.
0: Um. Uh, no, I'm not saying that. Obviously, okay. he made a co- uh, you could I, I would argue he made a conditional covenant with Adam. Okay. Okay. And and I would say the nature of the a- Abrahamic covenant is different. Uh, not that it didn't require action, but it it's distinct uh, because it 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 was a promise of what God would do irrespective. Of of Abraham's obedience. Now Abraham, but, but, but didn't but, but, Abraham on. get
1: commended specifically for his obedience to the commandments? Specifically, oh, one
0: hundred percent. Yeah, that's why I, I think we can get lost in the weeds if we go there, and we may not even disagree on that. But what I'm what I'm trying to do right now is hold up a contrast in Scripture between Exodus nineteen and 1 Peter two. Okay. In Exodus nineteen, it is if you will. If you will obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be or you will be a treasured possession among all the people for the earth is mine. You shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So what I would suggest is that never was completely fulfilled because the people never did fully as a people, as a whole, keep his covenant and obey him. And when Peter says, hold on, you can you can disagree with that if you want. But when Peter says that, notice the difference when Peter says he's referencing Exodus 19 and declaring definitively after saying, by the way, you are the temple, a a living stones built up in a spiritual dwelling place for God by the Holy Spirit, which is the key difference. It's all about the Holy Spirit. That's where we disagree. But he says you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. So, you could respond to that. Our,
1: basically what I'm hearing is dispensational theology.
0: Would you why why, why are you why are you going to frame it in a category that I, I don't even if I'm talking I'm talking about the text, okay.
1: I hear you, uh, but I'm so just well because you're saying uh, there's don't a different in
0: me as a dispensationalist to red flag me so that people say, oh, dispensationalist, because I'm not a dispensationalist. Well,
1: that, Don't don't tell me wrong, brother. That wasn't meant as a slight of any kind. I'm just trying well, to I'm just trying to help me. I understand not what you're saying. Right. OK, then. So so then by definition, you would agree that the father deals with mankind throughout the ages in the same way. If well, you're not a dispensationalist.
0: Well, I'm not a dispensationalist in that I don't hold to that ism. OK, but there are. There are distinct ways that God has defined his relationship with his people under distinct covenants. And under the new covenant, the way he brings people into relationship with him is distinct, namely through Jesus Christ. And that's why that's why we don't go through that. I mean, if we're under the old covenant, the problem I think we all face is where's. Our Levitical priests that we go to. Where's well, the temple? Where's the temple? Right? Where's the temple? Hebrews uh, tries to explain well, all this to us. Okay. And and oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, go ahead.
1: So uh, to, to address the question you asked me about what you read about Exodus 19 in comparison with, with 2 Peter 2:9. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: I want to put this on screen because you said when they stepped in the covenant in the old testament and received the instructions from Mount Sinai through Moses for the covenant behavior, which is the commandments,
0: mm-hmm. that
1: it did not get them to that priesthood that was promised to them. I think we no. both agree. I think we both agree on that actually.
0: But that's not the only thing that it said.
1: Well, I'm just trying to focus he, on he that He said, okay, you,
0: no no, he said you would be a kingdom of priests. No, this is important. I hear you. Remember I I'm going to address why, it. Okay, remember, why why did the levites even exist? Remember part what of the, happened part
1: of the, the priesthood, brother?
0: No. The, the priesthood was the, given to Levi. Goal.
1: Malachi chapter two, four through seven.
0: But why? But why do the Levites exist? They exist because once God came, or Moses came down the mountain with the commandments and found Aaron and the people worshiping golden calf. That's when plan B for the priesthood emerged. That's when brother, he set apart the, the Levites who had to slaughter all the people, and they were yeah. then chosen as God wanted a whole nation of priests. And what I'm saying is under the new covenant, he has made a whole international nation of priests. Yeah.
1: Can I respond to your question, brother?
0: Yeah, absolutely. We're both
1: excited, and I love it. But let you just let me try to get a full sentence out here. Um, caveat one, Malachi two, four through seven, Levi. The descendant of the son of Jacob was given the priesthood. This is why Aaron and Moses were chosen for the position. This is why it was all about the tribe of Levi to be that that was the promise of the covenant given to Levi and his descendants perpetually forever. There was not some new granting of a priesthood to the Levites, specifically Mount Sinai. Out at Mount Sinai, Aaron, specifically of his family line of the Levites, was chosen for the high priesthood position. Then all the lower, lesser priests of ministering servants, the rest of the Levites took up that position. That's the first caveat. The second one would be what I was trying to address your question earlier, which is if they were asked to do this behavior at Mount Sinai, What did it get them? And it didn't get them into the priesthood that 2 Peter 2.9 is referencing. And I would say, of course it didn't, because it was never intended to in this mortal life. You have to get to the resurrection to get to the eternal priesthood with Yeshua, the one that he stepped into. That's why he's our first fruits, our forerunner. That's why he went before us in this priesthood. It's on screen for us right here where the Yahweh speaking to in Leviticus, Mm -hmm. speaking to the congregation through Moses. He tells them, Verse 4 and 5, you are to perform my judgments and keep my statutes, that's the commandments, to live in accord with them. I am Yahweh your Elohim, so you Mm -hmm. shall keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a person follows them, then he will live by them. I am Yahweh. What do you think it means when he says, if you do my judgments, my statutes, my commandments, you'll live? What does that mean?
0: Um, Well, there are kind of layers that I would respond to that in the old under the old covenant uh you know we have hindsight's 2020 20. we know that ultimately that's referring to resurrection life i would argue
1: but, well i would say that this is what paul explains to us in
0: romans 10 oh yeah that's what i'm saying in hindsight but mm-hmm. if i'm tra- if i'm trying to understand how they would have understood it i think they probably would have they probably would have interpreted it through the lens of like Deuteronomy twenty-eight, blessing and curses. There is a much more immediate uh, view of God's blessing and life you, under God's blessing. And under brother, we're
1: told we're told in Hebrews um, eleven that even all the way back to the days of Abraham, he understood God was the God of resurrection. That uh-huh. the whole point yeah, of the covenant as, was that as a Isaac nation, would be resurrected. Yeah. And I, yeah, this is all a part of the covenant, which yeah. is it all leads to the resurrection. This yeah, is why yeah, okay. in the old yeah, covenant... Yeah, well, I agree with that then. Yeshua I mean, fulfill the requirements of the of the covenant, which are the commandments. He fulfilled those perfectly. He was without spot and blemish, without sin. Therefore, he literally was the first fruits of the first resurrection because he was the only one to be perfect in doing that. And so therefore, he gets the promise of the covenant that we're reading on screen right here, which is mm-hmm. if you do these things, these terms of the covenant I'm giving you, which... Um, You know, it's not even new. It's just a re-upping of this covenant with all those kids coming out of Egypt that had lost the ways of the father. Because Jacob, Isaac, and Abraham, they knew the ways. Jacob and all his boys, when they went down to Goshen, they knew the ways of the father. They were commended for their righteous behavior of keeping the commandments in Genesis. Mm -hmm. By the time we get to Exodus, we have an entire generation that's been oppressed. And as a result, they can't even worship properly, which is doing the commandments through the priesthood that was among them, the Levites. This is why they're having this conversation with Pharaoh about we want to go worship, which was to keep Shavuot in the third month on the mountain, three days journey into the wilderness and take our animals with us to go worship appropriately. And Pharaoh kept having this weird bargaining with them to try to not let them do it fully. So therefore the plagues had to happen to let them come out fully. All of it was to get them to this moment of Shavuot. Did you guys realize that Shavuot is an actual yearly renewal of the covenant? And that's why here with this huge congregation at Mount Sinai, all these, Egypt, these Israelites that it came out of Egyptian bondage had forgotten the ways of the covenant and had to be reminded. That's why they had to be re-upped on the covenant. If you, They all raised their hands that everything you say, we will do. Always, the promise has always been of this covenant is eternal life. But if you do these, you'll live in the land of promise, you and your descendants. This is repeated back. This is expressed to Abraham way back in Genesis 12 through 22.
0: Yeah, we this, don't disagree here. I mean, it's the same
1: covenant. It's the same terms of the covenant. It's the same outcome of the covenant, which is eternal life. Yeah. So this is why, as we step into the new covenant conversation, this is why I would say, brother, the father says to mankind, mortal mankind, us in the flesh, who do not have these resurrected bodies like Yeshua has yet. Mm -hmm. He says to us, here's my covenant with you. If Mm -hmm. you do this in faith and belief, which actually literally requires some sort of action, You've got to come in here and do this in faith and belief. Do the terms of my covenant. You disciple under me, because that's all we're talking about, is adopting our behavior to the Father's behavior. In fact, in Psalm 119, one through three, Yahweh explicitly says his judgments, precepts, statutes, and commandments is his ways, his literal moral behavior. So that's why he asks us in the terms of the old covenant that we practice his behavior. Now, how much of it do we practice? I would say that's where context comes in. What applies to you? Right. If you're a woman, you're not going to be able to do the things he wrote down that apply to women. If you're not a Levitical priest, you're not going to be able to do those things because that that context doesn't apply to you. But what does apply to you? There's lots of instructions that apply to you. Right. I would I would probably say, Jeremy, you don't think that kidnapping people is okay in the New Covenant, do you? Obviously. Obviously not. That's Deuteronomy 24. You don't think homosexuality is okay in the New Covenant? No, obviously not. That's in Leviticus 18. So I'm saying this all the same behavior. And in fact, we could go through Ephesians chapter four and first Timothy seven, seven, and I could repeat all the Torah from, from Paul's mouth.
0: Okay. Uh, I think all the moral law of the old covenant is relevant to what we're called to do. Mm -hmm. I just don't think it's the high. I I think the standard is actually higher because I think the standard is Jesus Christ himself. But let me ask you this question. Let me ask you this question. So I'm not asking for less. I'm saying more. And thank God that it's a covenant of grace, so that when we screw up, because we will, right. uh, we're not condemned in Jesus Christ. So let me ask you this: Peter, Peter moves in First Peter two, um, because how you understand temple theology probably determines how you understand the priesthood. What do you think? Uh, if uh, let me ask you, do you how do you understand? our position or status right now as it relates to Peter saying that you are a royal priesthood. Do you think that's an eschatological statement? He doesn't really mean what he says. You are a royal he,
1: priesthood. It means what he says, but this is just Hebrews 11.1. 1 it's faith speak it's what's actually a, there's actually a literary term for this in english it's called prolepsis
0: yeah just i know like, the term yeah
1: yeah just like paul uses similes metaphors allegories i mean you know galatians 4 he literally tells the, the reader i'm using an allegory
0: so you you take this as an eschatological reality in other words it's it's are you a priest right now true.
1: are you a priest right now
0: i am a priest what
1: temple do you minister in
0: the body of christ
1: that's a metaphor brother you're you're not a stone building you're not but bringing animals. Hold on, hold on.
0: Long. Okay, but now you're not you're you're not we dealing should, with clear text. We should get sure, into yeah. the temple and, and no, the no, concept. No, hold the on. Let, let's, let's talk about temple for just a minute, and I'd love to hear how you understand it. I, th- I think right. what I think what will be helpful is you understand what, from my position. I think the whole the whole movement of scripture is that God wants to be sharing in the presence of His people. He wants reconciliation, reunion, at-one-ment, atonement in that real sense that is realized ultimately by the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. When Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, 1 Corinthians 6, Ephesians 4, that we are, sorry, Ephesians 2, that we, the church, Mm -hmm. are the temple of God, the Mm -hmm. temple of the Holy Spirit. Right. I don't think, I, yes, it's a metaphor in that we're not okay, stones we of brick and mortar, but yeah. we're stones, as Peter says, living like, stones. Living, living and, stones, and, pillars. And yeah. Right? So, and like, think about the whole movement beginning Genesis 1 and 2, the people of God in the place of God, enjoying the presence of God, they get exiled. They get exiled from the garden because of sin, because mm-hmm. they broke the covenant that God established with them. Exiled from the garden, God forms a nation. Tells them, gives them the instructions, the blueprint, the tabernacle. Mm -hmm. They complete it. Exodus 40. The great finale, God's presence fills the temple. God's glory fills the temple. That's where he puts his name. That's why I say name and presence have to be understood together. That the tabernacle finally they build a temple against God's better wishes, because I think God prefers a mobile home, but David (laughs) Solomon builds a temple. God's presence fills the temple. They go to exile. That temple gets destroyed. They rebuild the second temple and the climax is missing. God's presence never filled the second temple. At least it's not recorded in scripture. But Haggai, the prophet comes and he says, in effect, the glory of this house would be greater than that of the former house. Because there were people weeping when they saw this this you know thing that wasn't near as glorious as the former temple. And what happens when Jesus comes? He is the temple. The word was made flesh and tabernacled among us, skenao, tabernacled among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is the only Son of God, full of grace and truth, right? And then he refers to his temple as his body, John chapter 2. His flesh is torn. The spirit is torn out. He referred
1: yeah. to his body as bread and his blood as wine. So, yeah, he uses metaphor a lot.
0: Sure. Yeah, but, well, but, but hold on. A metaphor, I mean, we don't literally
1: drink the blood of Christ.
0: Okay, I agree with that. Yeah. But a metaphor doesn't mean you can just throw the term away. It's like... Writing it away when when I, God says yeah. that He's going to write His the law on our hearts, that's a metaphor. But we don't just throw that away because it's a metaphor. Yeah, it means something. And what? Hold on, let me finish, and then you can respond. What does it mean? What is the significance of the temple? It's where God's law and God's presence dwelt, and specifically okay. God's presence. And that's the distinction. Now, you, brother, if you confess Christ as Lord, are part of the temple. Now, yes. temple is always. A communal term. When Paul ever Paul uses the term, it's always second person plural, which we don't pick up in English because we don't distinguish between singular and plural second person. But we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And in that sense, we are priests. We are now mediators. We are a royal so, priesthood mediating to an unbelieving world. Brother, I gotta it. I gotta
1: I gotta jump in at this point, man. I, I hear you, I hear what you're saying. I've heard this all my life. I grew up in this. I you've used heard to, that I, Yes, I used to also claim that I'm a, I part I of the, to I'm a priest to God. I, I rule and reign with Christ. I literally heard that at Bible college. I also know that I'm a part of the temple of God. We sing songs about it. Um, I actually used to write worship songs, by the way, as well, and go to youth groups and stuff and travel around. And yeah, I even wrote songs with those lyrics in that. So I totally understand what you're saying, but I'm just trying to draw a distinction between the metaphoric and the literal. So I understand in a metaphoric, we can be referred to as the body of Christ as the temple which whom the spirit dwells in right literally we agree we're not a stone building
0: no we're living stones as peter says
1: again metaphor right so but it means so something what i'm saying though.
0: is oh, it so it does literally mean something.
1: were they so living does, stones well, on, in I'm the to old testament your, yes yes they were uh as, okay. as i'm trying to address your i'm trying to address your claim brother you're you're wanting to use metaphor for the, for the temple, but not for the priest. And then you want to just say you're a priest and, and think that that's okay as well. And that you literally mediate to the father, brother, that's a no, literal no, 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 job.
0: No. No. You just said it. No, no. We mediate to the world. How? As witnesses of Christ, Peter, well, calls that's that's not mediation brother. That's a not royal scriptural. priesthood.
1: I hear you. What I'm saying though, is what you're describing as far as us being ambassadors and to reconcile people to Christ that's not the job of a priest specifically in the word that you're using, like Yeshua in First Timothy two five, who mediates in his priesthood on behalf of mankind to God. It's a literal technical definition of a word for a literal technical job position. Yeshua mm-hmm. has that job position, a priest mediated between sinful people and a holy righteous God. Mm-hmm. You are not in that priesthood yet. You are proleptically going to be in that priesthood through faith because when you get resurrected by the power of Yeshua, at the resurrection, you then are brought into that priesthood to rule and reign with Him for a thousand years. So, but metaphorically, you can believe you're in that priesthood all day long. But literally, you cannot go minister like a priesthood in a temple and actually create propitiation well, before the yeah. mercy seat like a true priest.
0: Uh, okay, I get, I got you. So, so, but here's the problem: because you refuse to take Scripture at its word and say that's that's, uh, no, unfair, that's very unfair characterization. Uh, no, right. no, no. Well, but here's the thing the the concept of priesthood us being a royal priesthood and us being a temple are have to be held together and if you're saying that in the old testament they were living stones in the same way we are you're ignoring the plain movement of text that moves from temple structure to no temple structure in There's fact the veil being torn is the whole climax of this Temple collision.
1: What what verse tells you the veil caused what you're claiming theologically? Because I'm going to go to where we do still have a temple and a priest mediating in that temple for us.
0: Okay. Well, first of all, there's multiple references. I know you're going to go to Hebrews 10, which is the ultimate, and we need do need to go there. But the the but but we, we have to stay on this for just one second because you're saying that first of all, you arbitrarily are choosing by your authority that yes, that, t- that Peter's not talking about present tense, even though it's written in the present tense. You're saying that's proleptic. You're saying that's a future reality.
3: I can't hear. I can't hear.
1: We, hey brother, I'm, brother, I'm saying the definitions oh, of the words tell us he's not speaking literally about you and I as, as disciples of Yeshua, the definitions of the words, we can't just ignore those. What
0: are you talking about?
1: First Peter two nine.
0: What do you mean? He, he's not talking about us.
1: You're you're not a literal priest
0: yet. Oh, but see, this is where you and I would disagree. I th- and here's how I th- here's how I would explain it. I begin with the text, not a bigger idea, but the text. And the text says you are a royal priesthood. And so I ask myself, well, how does that make sense? It makes sense because we're not under the old covenant that demands a temple and the Levitical priests. We are under the new covenant in which we are the temple then, by the Holy yeah. Spirit that dwells within us. Yeah. In the same way that the Holy Spirit the presence of God dwelt in the Old Testament temple and tabernacle. See, that's the significance. That's the difference.
1: Respectfully, that's that's your interpretation, whereas you're trying to make yourself metaphorically a priest in your metaphoric temple. (laughs) I'm just reading the text. No, no, no. Hang on, hang on. You got to let me finish the statement so you don't get misunderstood what I'm saying. Okay. So you're taking the metaphor and applying them both as a metaphorical priesthood and a metaphorical temple, Mm -hmm. but ignoring the literal application of a active temple where we have a high priest ministering for us to create atonement propitiation. And you are not in that temple.
0: Well, well, I I am
1: I'm reading it right Did here on get, screen. Let's yeah, okay. let's go to the let's, scriptures. Okay, let's
0: go to Hebrews eight. Let's do that. Yeah. Beautiful. We're right
1: here in the scriptures, NASB, Hebrews eight, verse one. Now the main point in what has been said is this. He just spent two, three chapters expressing the differences in the priesthoods. Yeah. We have such a high priest that's Yeshua who has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of majesty in the heavens, a minister, that means a servant, a priest, in the sanctuary and in the true tabernacle, which the Lord set up and not man. Okay, for every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. That's Leviticus 1 through 7. So it is necessary that this high priest also have something to offer. Now, Mm -hmm. if he were on earth, he wouldn't be a priest at all. Just like you're not a priest on earth because you're not a Levite. Since there are those who offer gifts according to the law, that's the Levites. Mm -hmm. And Yeshua, if he were here on earth and outside of the New Jerusalem, he would not be a priest. He has the, the only your priesthood that First Peter two nine is referring to, and Revelation twenty verse four through six is referring to, is only applicable in the land of promise that you inherit as a result of the covenant, where you get eternal life and you inherit the New Jerusalem, and that's the kingdom of heaven <laughs> okay. that you actually live in. In our ministry as a priest, the text literally tells us right okay. now, Yeshua was above us in the tabernacle in heaven, yeah. ministering in his priesthood, and if he were down here on the earth with us, he would
0: not be a priest. Okay, let me ask you this what temple are we going to minister at in the new Jerusalem? There is well, no temple. That's you know, the whole point.
1: Let's go check it out. It's in Revelation 21. Revelation
0: 21. Verse
1: 22. Actually, did the an no entire video on this. Um, as always, one of the ways I teach the audience to look for context is not just the definition of the word, but look up the original language. That It can help you a lot. Yeah. So if we actually go to the original language of what it says, there's no temple in the new Jerusalem, and let's let's go through uh, analysis of the Greek text.
0: I've got my Greek text out.
1: Yeah. All right. He says, and temple.
0: Mm-hmm. Nuh-uh. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep.
1: Yep. Look well, right here. A temple, a shrine, the part of the temple where God Himself resides. Do you know what that part was in the old testament?
0: The Holy of and, Holies.
1: That's right. And why does the text tell us there'll be no Holy of Holies in the because, New Jerusalem?
0: Because the he just measured the city and it was a perfect cube. And I it, believe that the Holy of Holies has been universalized because the presence of God, there is no more partition between God's it, presence. It literally and it tells the us on
1: screen right here, brother. It yeah. says it qualifies the statement in the rest of the verse. For the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb, that's two people, mm-hmm. are its Holy of Holies are its nails.
0: Yeah, yeah, there is. Yeah. A, that's precisely the point. So,
1: brother, the point of what I'm saying is,
0: yeah, that's the point. There is now no, there,
1: so, there so is how is temp- are you going to no, witness? Wait, 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 minute. There's, there's a Holy of Holies mm-hmm. in the Old Testament temple.
2: Yeah.
1: The, the New Jerusalem says there's not yeah. a Holy of Holies. Why? Because what was the difference? The, the shrine area, the place where there was no father and son in the Old Testament tabernacle, it was an mm-hmm. empty room with the Ark of the Covenant the new t- revelation 21 22 is telling you well there is no empty room anymore there is no shrine mm-hmm. because the shrine is a representation it's an empty place that represents a god
0: mm-hmm.
1: this is telling us there is no shrine because that place is filled with the father and the son mm-hmm. and we have seven chapters in ezekiel 40 through 47 expressing to us the temple in the mm-hmm. new jerusalem
0: yeah let, let me just let's clarify did you, you hear what i, I said brother yeah, totally.
1: The the palace that's called the yeah. palace in he- Ezekiel forty forty three also references the binth in the Hebrew temple in the English <laughs> translation. Gr- all the, the the bronze altar, the the place where they were the boiling sea, everything that was in the Levitical and Solomon's temple,
2: mm-hmm.
1: is in the New Jerusalem, New Kingdom temple, Ezekiel forty seven twelve. According the river, yeah, yeah. the river of life is even flowing mm-hmm. from that mm-hmm. place. Mm-hmm. That is the temple, but there is no holy holies in that place because hold on,
0: but the I. Father- I Yeah, but the naos in Greek, every time it's used, is translated temple. There is no. I just showed you the
1: definition, brother.
0: I'm looking at a concordance. Yeah. On my computer, every single time naos or temple is used in the in, you can't see it, so there's no point. I I put it on. Look at it. Look at it. There's what's the word for temple then? If it's not naos. I just, I, just, I just went
1: over this. I'm not sure if you're watching.
0: What's the Greek word for temple? Uh, if it's, it's right, right here nas? on the screen. It's right here on the screen. The Greek word, naos, Strong's yeah. thirty
1: four eighty five.
0: Uh, yeah, that's yeah. the word for temple. You just said it's the word for holy of holies.
1: You answered me and said it's the word for holy of holies because you're right. It's the part of the temple where God Himself resides.
0: Right, but it's always translated temporal in general, right? I guess I'm but, not. I guess I'm not sure what your point is.
1: But the <laughs> the point is, the Father and the Son. Or no, There that doesn't have to be an empty room with the Holy of Holies. as an empty room with the Ark of the Covenant anymore. Now it's, it's filled, right? It's the seat of authority that the Father and the Son actually pre- reside in those seats.
0: Okay, but you, you started this discussion by saying, how are you a, literally a priest mm-hmm. if you don't have a temple? And, you, and you, said, you said, hold on. And you said, you're only proleptically a priest, and you'll be able to be a priest mm-hmm. in the New Jerusalem. Well, in right. the New Jerusalem, the Father and the Son are the temple, and so now we're Brother, literally that, you, you preached just, without a literal temple.
1: I just went over the definition of that word with you. It, it says in the New Jerusalem, there's no empty room. The Holy of Holies, there's no shrine room. That's what that word means. There's no shrine room for no, the father and the son. are no, there. No,
0: I disagree with that.
1: Because we have seven full yeah. chapters in Ezekiel that express to us the dimensions, the layout, and then all the details yeah. and furniture of the temple in the New Jerusalem, the land of promise, with the river of life and the trees that grow along the river of life, whose leaves will be used for the healing of the nations, matching Revelation yeah. twenty two five. All so, of that is there. There so, is it because the, the well, this is where Yeshua is literally ministering. That mm-hmm. I read to us in Hebrews eight one through five, mm-hmm. the true mm-hmm. tabernacle that Yahweh built, not mankind.
0: So what you're saying is. There is a temple in the New Jerusalem, and it, and you can find it if you go back to Ezekiel. That's what you're saying.
1: It's. I it was in. <laughs> let me go back to the scripture real quick. I just read it. It mm-hmm. was in Hebrews chapter eight, mm-hmm. one through five. This is all I was trying to say. Hebrews chapter eight, one through five, and we also see it in Hebrews eleven and twelve. So it says right here. Main point's this, everything that's been said is that we have such a high priest who's taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. Do you guys know And you know that was the Ark of the Covenant, that the seat of the mercy seat, the seat of power, the seat of the of the ruler? Well, the you know? seat,
0: mercy seat was over the ark of the covenant, yes.
1: But that was metaphorically where Yahweh would have set if he could dwell amongst the flesh yeah. of
0: mankind. Yes, yes. Right, right. Yep. But we
1: can't, we have to get our resurrected bodies in order to be near him. Yeah. Just like no, oh, yeah. no,
0: no, 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 no. We really? have to we have to hold on. We have to get our resurrected bodies to be near Yahweh, the Father. You don't believe in the Trinity, I take it, then, right?
1: We can probably set up a whole nother night if you want to go over <laughs> okay, all the yeah. Trinity verses. Yeah. Well,
0: it just it's, helps for understanding. Like,
1: uh, I don't think Yeshua believed in the Trinity, to be honest with you, brother. Oh,
0: okay. Well, there you go. So that that <laughs> makes that makes it that makes sense why why there's a disconnect in in our mm-hmm. understanding of the whole the whole. The whole relevance and significance of the presence of God being newly available in Christ by the Spirit. I think I believe believe there is a new a new reality possible in Jesus Christ in in participation in the divine life through the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you have greater access to the
1: Spirit because of Yeshua. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. that's what I've been saying since the beginning. But what I have, what would be a trap is the Spirit. yeah. One second. It would be really a shame tonight, brother, if I put all these scriptures on screen and then we didn't run with the words that are actually being said. To us oh, let's the do it. So let's go. So That's why I have and, it on and, screen. And, and why don't we us. do
0: it in light of the question? Are we in the new covenant? Right. That's, that's, where that's we are. what
1: we are fleshing out. OK, absolutely. let's do. That's why you asked about. I tried to say to you that you don't get to your priesthood literally until you're in the new covenant. And you said, what tabernacle would I be ministering in? I'm showing mm-hmm. you one right here, not on the ground. That Yeshua is able to minister in in heaven above, mm-hmm. that you and I can't minister. If there was one on the ground, if this was two thousand years ago before the temple was destroyed by the Romans, we, you and I, couldn't walk in there if we're not Levites to minister, mm-hmm. and we we're not appointed. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Neither could Yeshua. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this li- this text in front of us, brother, is literally telling us that okay. after Yeshua was resurrected, before he ascended, and those days that he spent showing himself to over five hundred people on the earth. He could not walk into the temple and minister because he was not a priest of that order. He was of a different order. And the temple mm-hmm. that he was supposed to minister in was in heaven above. It was the father's temple in heaven above. The same one as this very verse tries to tell you, the one on the ground was patterned after the mm-hmm. one in heaven. Mm-hmm. That's literally why it has this verse from Exodus 26 in here to tell you Yeshua's ministering in this tabernacle above made by God. This is the yeah. one they pattern after in the, in the desert on the ground. Mm-hmm. There is a tabernacle standing where a high priest is ministering on your behalf, you're promised to go into the same priesthood order as that high priest ministering on your behalf. There is mm-hmm. no theological or textual way you are actually a literal priest right now. You can proleptically and metaphorically, you can be a priest all you want.
0: You see, the, it, and we disagree, and it has everything to do with the Holy Spirit, okay? But, but let's stick to this discussion about covenant. And, and, and what I would say is what I want to respond to your interpretation of these verses um, I take when it says that the uh, that the law and the set sa- and the sanctuary right he refers to the um, Moses receiving the blueprints for the temple or sanctuary uh, the uh, the blueprints uh, and then he refers to the law as a copy or shadow of heavenly things right I take that to mean that we needed a kind of uh, embodied, enfleshed, uh, brick and mortar um, uh, sign or copy or shadow, as he says, to understand heavenly realities. Now, what I don't think is that there is a space called heaven, like that contains God in a in a literal temple of brick and mortar uh, that 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 this earthly tabernacle literally is just a, a copy of in another kind of universe. Is that what you think? Is that, how would you describe the heavenly reality of which this is just a type or shadow?
1: Sure. And Keegan, this is what I was talking about on the phone the other day. How Our our logo for the channel has all these themes involved in it. And a part of that is the covenants, the, the son of the father, that's a Trinitarian theme that, the return of the Messiah, the new Jerusalem, all of it, the priesthoods, because what what uh, our brother Jeremy is asking us right now is about to blend into what my shirt says. And I wore this intentionally tonight because this comes up every single time you start talking about Hebrews 8 with someone who does not want to take the words for what they say, which is where is this tabernacle that Yeshua is ministering? In? Is it just an allegory to express a heavenly concept that's not really happening? Or is it literal? Genesis 1, 6 The firmament that God created, he created multiple firmaments. In Genesis 1.1, he created the heavens and the earth. Then he starts to fill out the earth in verses 2 through 31. Verses 6 through 8, he makes the firmament encapsulating us where we live, which is he directly names the heaven. This structure, the firmament, he gives a name in Genesis 1.6 through 8, and he calls it the word Shemaim, the heaven. Because it's this structure that is the rakia in the Hebrew that is de- physically defined as the visible arch of the sky, a solid expanse, divides the waters that were above from the waters that what were below and, and then receded and became the seas, what we would generically call our oceans today. So this, I jokingly call myself a firmamentalist because there's over 500 verses in the scriptures that refer, mention, describe, or use in application the firmament that's introduced in Genesis 1. That's why I'll put back on screen here in Hebrews 4.14, it's also mentioned. And if we go to explaining Yeshua in his priesthood, it says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, that's multiple layers. Just as mm-hmm. Genesis 1, Psalm 148, Deuteronomy 10.14, and a whole bunch of other places express. This is a physical structure that he passes through the firmaments, the heavens, to get to where this tabernacle is to do his job.
2: Oh,
0: so do you think Yahweh is contained just t- contained within heaven, a place called heaven? I mean, if he
1: if he if he wanted to be, he could be. If he didn't want to be, he didn't have to be. He's okay. he's created it. Clearly, he has mastery over his creation. The point is, what does he tell us that he actually created? What did what does his words define for us? Right. That's, well, that's and what see, we should go what,
0: by. Yeah. What I would say is, you are arbitrarily choosing what is metaphorical and what's not. And you're acting as like I'm not taking the words of scripture as literally, but you are taking them literally. And so when you're I just saying, when i, because, when because I bring up no scripture, hold on because you're saying you're saying well this is rough brother. it's just a it's just a metaphor that we're a temple and you can't actually examine what the metaphor implies. The metaphor implies that the Holy Spirit dwells in us in a way that God's presence dwelt in the old testament temple. That's the obvious way that you understand the why that metaphor is implied. Okay. But now when we talk about. Let me challenge firmament-
1: you on that. Let, you, let me challenge okay. you on that. Okay. it. Please that. do. If you think in the metaphor that you're imposing, which I agree, it's a metaphor, but how you take the extent of that metaphor is where we start running into some you know, problems here. Right. So if you think that the, the, the metaphor of the temple of us being the temple is so that the Holy spirit can act in us the same way it did in the temple in the old Testament. That's what you just exactly said. Right.
0: Not act in us, dwell in us. In dwell other in words, us. Okay, same that's, thing. That's yeah. because no, what's going to happen? It is because i will about to explain. It Holy sp- the Holy Spirit, the temple was not an animate object. We are, so it's not the same thing.
1: The Spirit of God, who dwelt in the Old Testament temple, both in the, the, the desert and the one that Solomon built. If you, as an individual, were not clean according to the instructions that you had to be, and came before that place, you could break out in plague and possibly oh, yeah. die. Yet you're trying to say. Now, those rules don't apply to you, and the Holy Spirit can still move in you in the same way it did back then, and you don't even have to abide by those rules. You can be unclean. You could have... Oh, no,
0: that, that's not what I said. I'm Romans not, 8, 1 through 4, for the law, the Spirit of light has set us free yeah, from that, the lost and de- There's no the, you condemnation. Just, you, you, you no, are, no, that's not condemnation. Because we are made that, clean in brother, Christ.
1: Brother, the cleanness that I'm referring to, the literal definition of those terms in the Old Testament, Leviticus 13, 14, and 15, that... All of Israel, even Moses Nair and Aaron, all the priests, were required to undergo a physical obedience of lifestyle in order to step near the presence of God in the temple. Otherwise, yeah. bad things would happen.
0: And this is the beauty of the gospel. But keep going,
1: brother. This is what I'm saying. This is where you're yeah. taking the application of the gospel that Yeshua. You're, yeah, I mean, I don't know how to put it any plainer than Hebrews 8 on screen, but you're taking the application of what is actually happening on behalf of your atonement through your high priest, and you're metaphorizing it so that you can be in that spot. I didn't.
0: Peter did. Yeah.
1: All I'm trying to say is you're in a position now where you have no physical temple that you have to abide by those physical cleanliness laws to step next to the physical power and
0: presence of God. Because the presence and power of God has entered into us by the Holy Spirit. I agree with you. It's
1: called the deposit. It's in Hebrews 8. Yeah, I agree with you, brother. All I'm trying to say is, There's a difference in the application, just like there was people who had not cleansed themselves in the Old Testament and also the spirit dropped on them in a moment. But there's a difference in a minister, an actual priest who has to go through cleansing to step near the power of God in a physical temple. Which is what baptism
0: is all about.
1: Okay. That's why I said in the beginning, when you asked, is there any example of the Holy Spirit? doing what it did in acts 2 in the old testament i said there's lots of them, but you didn't want me to bring up those verses because there is lots, no, a lot there's a difference ahead. in the application I, what's numbers 11 first samuel 12 a whole bunch of other plays there's a difference in the application of the spirit of god the power of god to affect change falling on someone's life versus a priest who has to undergo specific ritualistic cleansing in order to have his mortal flesh be near the physical power of god's spirit in a yeah. temple setting right yeah, so we're ignoring that. all the context of the Old Testament temple. No,
0: definitely we're in not. In order yeah, for us I mean. to take yeah.
1: the metaphor to where yeah. you want to take it and say oh, that no. you're already a priest ministering in a temple. In. I, I gave in. you
0: a whole
3: temple overview. I could have yeah. talked about it for two more hours. That's, I'm not ignoring it. But go ahead, Keegan. What's up, in. Keegan? So I want to lay out some concepts of the Holy Spirit, and then I want to kind of hear your, your thoughts on that. So sure, really. my understanding is the Spirit of God – only dwelled in the Holy of Holies in the, in the old covenant, that covenant was a way that God could dwell among his people, but because they were an unrighteous people and he was a righteous, holy God, he needed this covenant that, that required a blood sacrifice of a spotless lamb in, in order to be abiding in that covenant so that he could dwell with them. Right. And if, and and as you're saying, according to that law, if the high priest in the old covenant had any sin, or he'd messed up. He literally had a rope tied to him, so if he was in the holy of holies and mm-hmm. croaked, they'd yank him out by the rope because he couldn't walk on his own means, and no one else wanted to die. Sure. So, sure. so I, I don't, I don't believe that that requirement of holiness has changed in the new covenant, because as you were saying before, you do see the Holy Spirit come upon people in 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 moments in the old covenant, but then it, you see <clears throat> the Holy Spirit poured out as it talks about in Joel 2.27 2, in the New Covenant. But the reason I believe that same requirement of righteousness still stands is because God's presence could not dwell in us without us exploding, like spontaneously bursting into flames, <laughs> like an in Incubus song, w- without the reality of his righteousness being imparted to us and that we died with him in his death, as Romans 6 says, and that mm-hmm. we're raised with him. Currently, in his resurrection, that we are okay. actually seated with him in heavenly places. So, brother, are
0: you literally though?
3: Well, well, that's what Paul. That's what Paul. This is what him, I'm. all, all I've been
1: trying to say, guys. This yeah. is all I've been trying to differentiate. Well, well but here's the You believe a in a firm church.
0: You, you, it's that. No, it sounds like uh, you've created a kind of dualism or beyond that. So, no, that, brother, no, so, that's well, a gnostic I'll,
1: term. That's a gnostic idea.
0: Okay, right. well, you believe that there that.
1: I believe and, the scriptures and what they say according to their definitions and the words. Okay, Jesus. well, if I'm you believe if
0: you believe that, then you wouldn't be like just like dismissing what Keegan just said. No, it's what, I I've hold, hold on. It's what Paul says in Ephesians one and two. He says that you that Christ seated at the right hand of God and you are seated with Him in heavenly places. Now you can just dismiss it because there's been a lot of dismissing, but but what but, does it words, actually mean? Words. What does it actually mean? Yeah, so that what you're does it mean? seated and yeah, that you so, are. I'm, Is that proleptic too? Is so, that yeah, I, would, I
1: would love to hear what you think it means that you're seated with Christ right it,
0: now. Here's what it means in my understanding. Okay. In, because Paul goes on to say throughout Ephesians 2, I mean, that introduces the discussion of why we are a dwelling place of God by the Holy Spirit. It means that we in Christ by the Spirit are in communion with God which is why we can pray to God according to the way Jesus prayed as our Father, the sonship of Jesus is given to us. We've been given the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba Father. Right? So, That's right. And, and I would say like there is in other words, we're not separated from the God from God as we were in the condition of our sin. This is why and and this is why in July of nineteen ninety-seven you had a dramatic encounter with God mm-hmm. that Changed
1: your whole. I feel. I feel he dropped right. his spirit on me for a moment there. Yeah, hundred yeah. uh,
0: yes. percent. for a moment it's left. And so this is. Oh, hold you know. On. You know what I'm saying. You know. What I'm okay. Good, good. I already good. already
1: admitted Hebrews eight. We have the deposit, and I actually have it on screen here as well, uh, Paul. In the furthering context of what you keep quoting from Ephesians two, um, this is Ephesians two, by the way. Uh, this is Ephesians one, actually. Um, it says that we have this first installment, right? Because we've been believed in Him, sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the first installment. Of our inheritance in regard well, to the redemption of God's own possession. Yeah. What is the rest of that inheritance, brother?
0: Well, hold on. I. I what does it say in Greek? Let me look at my Greek text, actually. Because uh, uh, what translation is that? Is the NASB? Um, the. Because I think it's deposit, right? But I would say just what's, to, answer what's the your, to answer semantics,
1: brother. What's the rest of the deposit?
0: Yeah, well, I think the rest of the deposit is our glorification. Yeah, is our glorification.
1: So then what is that? So like I said before, what scripture tells you that you are literally sitting next to Yeshua in judgment over other people, which is what a priest no, no, would no. be. No, no, I, I don't This think is why I'm saying you're using judgment. terms and not using their definitions, brother. I'm lovingly trying to express this I, this whole time.
0: Well, you're you're lovingly being dismissive right now. No, I'm not. It, I'm asking it, you about uh, specific it, passages it, on screen. Uh, we start with scripture, then we define the terms, okay? So Ephesians 1, we are we are seated with him, in heavenly places. Now you you start with what's there, and then you have to explain what does it mean. Now I obviously it, see the reason you can't you can't just take that as what it says is because you believe that God is in a different location up here in a place called heaven. But what does it say in where, what does it say in heaven? second what does it say in in Second Chronicles? In Who is able to build a house for God and for the heavens and the highest heavens cannot contain Him. You think God's sure, contained sure. in no, a heaven? No, I already,
1: I already explained that. He explained what he made. He doesn't have to be contained in it, but that's yeah. what he made for everything, to for this story to unfold. Totally. So I'm going to take his descriptions of what he made, and I'm going to go with those according to their definitions used in context.
3: Okay. And and I you know, got right. to
1: address this because I've never heard this yeah. before. I'm kind of blown away. Keegan, did you just say that heaven is in us?
3: I believe when the kingdom of God came with Jesus and that the Holy Spirit dwells in us because he made us righteous and holy vessels.
1: So then you're seated in your own side, inside yourself.
3: That doesn't uh, represent what <laughs> my thought brought But So so my, my belief is that the spirit of God is in us yeah. and that we are also seated in heavenly places. So I believe the kingdom <laughs> of heaven... It, because God is in heaven and he is in us, there's part of us there and there's part of him here. And I don't think that his presence can be bound to the dimensional understanding that we have.
1: Do you okay, Do so you think is, heaven
0: is, is a physical place?
1: Yeah, 100%. So is the kingdom of heaven. This is why Yeshua talked okay, about this, it so much. This, this, is, this is where is we disagree. Sure. Yeah. So you guys want to take what's, and, and lovingly, I'm not trying to put you in a box with labels. Mm-hmm. This is historically what it came from the second century. And then it it kind of branched into a lot of Catholic teaching and philosophy. It's called Gnosticism, that heaven heaven is not a a physical, literal place, but instead is an ethereal, non-tangible extra dimension. That no one can seemingly define.
0: Called the firmament or what? <laughs> no, that's, that's that exactly what you're describing.
1: No it's, no, it's not. That is defined okay. for us, brother. It's defined, I you the Rakia Hebrew definition earlier. It's in Genesis 1. It's in a whole bunch of other verses. Uh, that has a strict definition to it. And it's used in application of the kingdom of heaven, an actual okay. kingdom, coming down to the earth to create peace on the
0: earth. So when Jesus came and said it. that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Right. W- and, was he saying that a place or was he pointing to himself as a person?
1: He was pointing to his behavior. And as he told his disciples in Luke 10 and Matthew 10, go out heal the people. Don't take any money with you. Cleanse the lepers. You know, do your thing as he give you authority go out and do this. He then says and tell them the kingdom of God has come upon you. Right. The same thing as saying the kingdom of God is at hand. So the point is the behavior that they had been discipled in, that's why they're called disciples. And he says in, in Matthew t- Matthew 9, after he had taught them, he sent them out. So after they were discipled, he then sends them out to go do these wonderful things amongst the cities of Samaria. And when they do, they're told to tell them the kingdom of God has come upon you because they're doing the behavior of the kingdom. As Yeshua exemplifies, when he mentions this multiple places, then he says the kingdom of God has come upon you or he is at hand. But then he gives metaphors and parables about the literal physical kingdom of god that descends to the ground we see a great explanation of that in revelation mm-hmm. and also in isaiah and in ezekiel and in jeremiah mm-hmm. we get wonderful depictions of a literal physical piece of land it's literally the inheritance i mentioned earlier and i said what's the rest of the inheritance because we're resurrected glorified and taken to our land of promise that's a physical literal place you're not brothers respectfully you're not taken you're not resurrected and then taken back into yourself like that is literally uh, incompatible. It, it, no one
0: no one thinks that that's okay. a misrepresentation yeah well that's what the, i was the, uh, that's the
1: question the direct question i asked him was getting <laughs> a minute ago. so okay. i'm just so trying to understand where yeah, you guys are coming so from you, and what i'm okay, hearing is you're yeah. coming from a very philosophical interpretive stance that takes all the literality out of scripture even when i put words on the screen and i say look what temple and tabernacle is this referring to and you're like oh it's we are well, the temple so, and, and, and i'm I like mean, oh jesus yeah, is
0: yeah and i and i would just say you are not taking the literal words of the text, and you're taking a very esoteric p- that's, particular that's view of it. what I've been saying. Okay, well, I mean, it's just it's no different. I mean, you're you are choosing what to take literally and what to take metaphorically, and we all have to interpret the text. It's not like we're all going to come to it and come to the exact same conclusion. But I would say you are your interpretation is is no, it's it's not what is you esoteric. Think. Uh, okay. Be, be, well, I don't know how.
1: I don't know how going by definitions of words and trying to you're keep a them in a context of the past, right? Like that, that doesn't mean anything. That's not a thing. That's just a joke. No. All I'm not trying to say is if I'm taking the script, <laughs> the definitions of words in scripture, and I'm trying to apply them in the context. That's
0: exactly of, what I'm doing.
1: That's not esoteric, brother. That's literal reading comprehension.
0: No, no, your conclusions are esoteric, not your intent. I how think is intent taking the is definition
1: good. of a word esoteric? The,
0: But, but that, but well, when you put, when you phrase it like that, it's obviously not. I'm saying the conclusions you're coming up with, I mean, they they just seem, they seem so foreign. Esoteric just means kind of idiomatic, uh, unique, right? It's like, it's obviously, it's obviously not, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't fit into a common understanding. You would admit that. I don't mean it in a derogatory way. I just mean it, and it's like, it's like you are under no, no counsel. You just you're taking brother, your interpretation. That's huge your assumptions
1: you're making right there. Look, I don't know how to. i i I'll be honest with you, brother. I've I've never spoken with someone where I literally give definitions of words in the scriptures, and I get, I'm being told that I'm not taking over what they say. I've been called too literal, and if you were to be saying that, then I would be like, okay, you can believe that. That's fine. What's I don't a, think you're literal tr- enough
0: i think you're okay. you're literal so, when you want to be and metaphorical when you want to be all right let me uh, let me ask you that let me let just me a- ask you what you think about your to the original question What if we are if we are not under a new covenant, can you just i would just love to hear you explain Hebrews eight through ten and then you know in whatever capacity you want to oh sure, eight yeah. through thirteen really uh yeah yeah
1: I, I love hebrews 8 13.
0: oh i said it, hebrews 8 through 13 i was talking about the chapters but and by the way i i i don't want this to come off as offensive i'm having a really good time this is a joy to me so yeah, yeah. no
1: it is too don't get me wrong yeah. i i just have to you know when you know when i'm when i'm when i'm yeah. trying to do my due diligence and present words and definitions and i'm being told i'm being <laughs> spiritual or esoteric i i struggle to understand how you're making those connections but i'm going to put this on screen and i'm going to show you right here Mm-hmm. And when he said That's Yahweh speaking because he just Quoted Jeremiah 31 And when he said A new covenant By the word that word covenant's not in the original text That's actually inserted which is why it's in italics In the NASB But when he said a new covenant has been made A, a, a new covenant He has made the first obsolete But whatever is becoming obsolete and growing old Is about to disappear So the writer of Hebrews is writing this letter after Yeshua ascended to do his ministry and duty in the tabernacle of heaven. After Yeshua ascended and resurrected. And he's telling us point blank <laughs> if it, the the this current covenant, and, and by the way, I the reason why I think he's wording it like this is because he's literally speaking about his body, because you don't get to the new covenant to you get your new body. Mortal flesh, old covenant, new covenant, glorified flesh. Very simple. And that's why he says we're here. A new one, and when Yahweh said a new covenant, he made the first obsolete. So, brother Brian, does or excuse me, Jeremy, does that mean he made the, the old covenant obsolete in Jeremiah thirty-one when he said this statement?
0: Say that again. Yeah, ask that again. Sorry.
1: Let's look at the first part of this verse.
0: I just didn't hear you.
1: Okay. Yeah. So when so the writer of Hebrews is repeating Jeremiah thirty. 31 31 through
0: 34
1: and then when he gets to verse 13 he's making commentary about those verses from Jeremiah he just spoke and Mm -hmm. he says and when Yahweh said a new covenant quotations Mm -hmm. Yahweh has made the first obsolete Mm -hmm. so are we to assume from your understanding of uh, that we must be in the new covenant right now that the old covenant was made obsolete the moment Yahweh spoke this in Jeremiah's day no okay I would agree with you right Okay. So therefore, we know we know that there's things that are spoken that don't come to fulfillment until all the mm-hmm. pieces are in place. Okay, but you can speak about them, and just like the writer of Hebrews is speaking about them in this moment, as well, the moment he mentioned to Jeremiah the prophet that he was going to do a new covenant, he made the first one obsolete. But that didn't happen mm-hmm. in Jeremiah's day. Yeshua was still no. seven hundred years away.
0: And and then the rest of that
1: passage says, but whatever's becoming obsolete, that's a present tense. Whatever's becoming obsolete, this is written approximately 40 years after, or excuse me, 30 years after Yeshua ascends. Whatever's Mm -hmm. becoming obsolete is growing old and about to disappear. Mm -hmm. And all the context of this is speaking about the new covenant promised in Jeremiah 31, 33, and 34. Mm -hmm. So the writer of Hebrews in the first century AD, after Yeshua resurrected and ascended to the Father, is telling us that the old covenant is still growing old and about to disappear.
0: hmm Okay, so I, I I could respond to that and just say, so so what you're saying, if I understand you correctly, is when he says about to disappear, you take that as we're still under the old covenant because was he the says, was about- the
1: writer of Hebrews under the old or the new covenant at this moment?
0: He was under the new covenant. Why? That's the whole he just point said of this passage. Opposite.
1: He just said the opposite in verse thirteen. Why would you think that?
0: Well, because he says in verse six that Christ, having obtained a better ministry, more excellent mm-hmm. than the old, as the covenant he mediates is better, that's since right. it is enacted on better promises. And mm-hmm. the whole—that's what, the context. Let's keep it in context. Where, where did you shoot? is it. Hold on, let me finish. The whole point is explaining the better covenant. And what makes it better? Now, what makes it better? He then refers to the prophecy of Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. Mm -hmm. And he Mm -hmm. speaks of it as having been fulfilled and being fulfilled in Christ. That's why. And and what's the key? It's why I keep saying the Holy Spirit is the key to this conversation. That's what he goes on. That's what he goes on to in verse 10. Uh, in chapter 10 of Hebrews, and he says, the Holy Spirit says by a single offering he's perfected for all time. Those who are being sanctified and the Holy Spirit also bears witness, bears witness to us. For after saying this is the covenant I will make with him for those days, I will write my law on their hearts. He's yes. saying can the we, law has been written that? on our hearts. Yeah,
1: has it? Has it really?
0: Well, that's what Paul says in Romans that's, 2 about the Gentiles, does he not? He says those who don't have the law show that they, they have it are law conscience. unto themselves. No. To their conscience. It, yeah. Read no, it. No. I'll read let's, it. Let's stay it right here. It, it's, no, no, no. Hold on. We'll no. go there. Hold on. We'll there. You, hold on. Brother, want, I'm addressing that. I want to read the, it. We got it, it on screen said, here. Yeah. Well, yeah, but no, you said. Accusing you them said. You no, said. judgment. hold on. Hold on. You yeah. just said that Paul said. That this is important because it has to do with whether or not this prophecy has been fulfilled. Yes, you just said that he said writes the law on their on their conscience. That's not what it says. It says Romans chapter two verse fourteen. For when the Gentiles who read, do not have the, the law the by nature, I will do what the law requires. They are law unto themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts. Okay. Jeremiah thirty one. Some, 31 some is says fulfilled. Conscience.
1: Right, so it's, it's cardia.
0: its Cardia. Okay, the, let me ask you this, the Same word. Okay, that, cool. let, me, let me ask you some real quick. That matters for this—the fulfillment it, of this text. You're suppressing the truth of no, that right now.
1: I'm actually trying to address it. You're just talking over me.
0: <laughs> Go okay.
1: ahead, Jeremy. What is brother. the law on the on, on the the pagans' hearts? The law is on the, the nations' hearts on all the Gentiles. By the word, the word Gentile means someone not no, in no. covenant.
0: No, I don't say so, that.
1: I know you don't. So let's let me let me just stay here. W- this is the same passage that you're trying to address. The law is already written mm-hmm. on your heart. Mm-hmm. It's on screen here. Hebrews 810. It's repeating the promise of the new covenant details from Jeremiah 31. Is the law on your heart right now, brother? Yes. OK, what is Leviticus 1911?
0: That's a that is a silly way to interpret it. Is it? Yes. It's a metaphor. Because you don't obviously. even know the law. It's a It's a metaphor.
1: No, okay. So the Father is going to have when He resurrects us, He's going to put this metaphorical understanding of His behavior in our hearts.
0: No, I, I w- Paul makes it absolutely clear. Do you think that when Paul says that the Gentiles who don't have the law show that they are law unto themselves because and that the work of the law is written on their hearts mm-hmm. because it bears witness in their That's conscience? Right. Do you for think what, that? that hold on. Do you think that reason? that mean? Do you think that that means that they have the whole law memorized? Is that what you think?
1: No, because the text tells us what he's talking about. And you're well, not then, what's full your text. point? Read the full text. It says that when we stand judgment before Yeshua, our yes. hearts either approving or c- confirming us or conflicting, and us.
0: right? Yeah, conflicting thoughts, yeah. either accusing or yeah. But you that's have to what's read bearing witness against you. Yeah, to read the rest of the text. I'm the one
1: yeah. asking you to read the rest of the text. <laughs> no, but you stopped yeah, I did.
0: short. They Excuse or accuse him on the day, what does he say? When, when according we judgment, to my gospel, God judges what? The secret thoughts of men. Yes, yeah, So an so understanding of judgment before Yeshua. Okay, so... Luke 12, 38. Okay, but clearly, I mean, p- please just... Let me ask you this, brother. Is, is, is the, the plain pain, reading the Gentiles, of this text...
1: Okay, I'm trying to get there. They you're just talking memory over right. me a lot. You're just talking over me a lot. Can we take turns? Yeah, go for it. If you're claiming that the, all the Gentile nations... Already have I, the law written on their heart.
0: Not claiming that.
1: Okay. Not claiming that. Because I'm saying Paul, that all I, okay, those me, under me, the
0: new covenant have the brother, law written on their This is what me, I'm claiming.
1: Okay. I, I heard that multiple times. So it's the writer of Wait, he, Romans misrepresented chapter
0: two. You my position.
1: Okay. Well, then and, I'm trying to expound to better understand your position. Let okay. me please get yeah. to it. Romans chapter two. Paul, the same author, also wrote Ephesians chapter two.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? We're in agreement with that, right? Yeah,
2: we agree.
1: So let's go to Ephesians chapter two. I want to put some up on screen for us. All right. So here is the idea of what it means to be a Gentile or a part of Israel and covenant. And you are in the new covenant, right? You have the king of the new covenant that you're in is Jesus Christ, the king of Israel. Are we correct? Yes. All right. Paul also says in Ephesians 2:11, therefore remember that previously, that means before their conversion, you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, a group of of Jews who really care about circumcision a lot, which is performed in the flesh by human hands, remember that you at that time were separate from Christ, excluding from the excluded from the people of Israel. Mm -hmm. And strangers to the covenants of the Mm -hmm. promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now here's the turning point because they've converted to discipleship in Christ. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were previously far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Brother, this is grafting in, as he explains in Romans Mm -hmm. 10 and 11, and also Exodus chapter 12 and Numbers 35 explains as well. This is Mm -hmm. grafting into Israel through covenant. Mm -hmm. You cannot be in covenant and be considered a gentile. You're you're you may be born from a nation outside of Israel and if you want to topographically and geographically use the word gentile in that regard have fun but according to the context of scripture and Paul himself the gentiles he's speaking of in Romans 2 is speaking about the whole world. Okay. The whole world has this inherent law of God. That's why some translations use the word conscience, written on their heart on the inside. Because when they stand before Yeshua and they're not in covenant with them, their actions that went against that law, which is First John 3, 2, sin is transgression of the law, their actions will condemn them when they stand judgment before Yeshua.
0: Okay, what's the definition of Gentile? I F- just gave it,
1: brother. I just gave no, two different no, no, versions no. of
0: it. The, the, what's the Greek word for Gentile?
1: I don't. I don't remember it's, the Greek it's word.
0: It's ethnos, from which we get okay. ethnography, right? and it's that... literally. It's literally. It literally can be translated nations or Gentiles. Sure. Every place that you put it, and every okay. place. That... So, well, the point is, a Gentile. I don't think that your your definition of Gentile is it represents the whole New Testament usage. You're looking at one passage, and I agree in that context. But the nations. This is why some translation just Translate Gentiles as the nations. All that term in its most general sense means is it's a delineation between those who are part of the family of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and those who are not. Okay.
1: That's not that's and, not what Paul's referring to in that passage.
0: I know he's not there, but yeah. you just took one passage and you're saying also, every time you see Gentile because no, I'm, in, I'm trying we, to
1: give you asked me about Paul. You were really concerned about Paul's interpretation of this. And we've been reading well, from Paul's letters. Okay. I went to, I, I tried respond? to address Paul too with Ephesians 2. It's also in Galatians okay. and also in but, Romans chapter but can chapter I 10.
0: Okay. Can I respond? Okay. We we've in, been both responding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Romans two, when he talks about the Gentiles, I believe. He is talking now because I think this is the plainest reading of the text. I believe what he's talking about when he says the law is written on their hearts. I believe he's talking about the same thing. Jeremiah said what happened under the new covenant and what the author of Hebrews is saying is happening in light of the new covenant that he's introducing. Now, when I first referenced Romans 2, I was saying that. That this text in Hebrews 8 and Hebrews 10 says that the law would be written on our hearts, and you took that to mean that we would have the whole law memorized. Now, I, I think that is what, is, that what is, is what is
1: what is Jeremiah 31? Let's go to Jeremiah 31 real quick because we got to get the context of this, yeah, of the promise of yeah. the Lord covenant.
0: And yeah, I'll quote it for you. I know it. He says that no longer will they. Teach one another saying, know the Lord. They will each know me from the least to the mm-hmm. greatest. Everyone under, he, here's the difference. This is a beautiful, a so, beautiful way to understand. Oh, well, let me finish. We'll let you, and then,
1: you're glazing oh, right over it, brother.
0: No, no. Let me explain what it means. I just read it and now I'm going to explain. Okay. Under the old covenant, not everyone who was circumcised knew God. Not everyone obeyed. Not everyone believed. They were, you know, there was, um, David, there was Moses, you know, but but there was Ahab, you know, there were, there were the long line of dynasty of corrupt kings who obviously didn't know God, But, but hold on, under the new covenant, everyone, everyone under the new covenant knows God, because that's what determines whether or not they are in the new covenant, that's what he means by saying, no longer will they teach each other, saying, know the Lord, they will know me, each of them from the least to the greatest it's it's the same sense when jesus says as when jesus says i know my sheep and my sheep hear my voice so okay um
1: thank you i disagree respectfully disagree i think that's your interpretation i think you're taking liberties with the idea of what it means to know god <laughs> and okay sure you and i'll put it on yeah. screen for okay. us why i Beautiful. think that okay so in first john two three through six he says by this we know that we've come to know him if we keep his commandments
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Jeremy are you, are you keeping the weekly Sabbath?
0: Uh, not according to all the stipulations of the law.
1: So are you taking a day off of work on Saturdays the seventh day of the week?
0: I do take a day off of work on Saturdays yeah but awesome. I but there's a lot of things that I don't do what are you what are you getting at? By this
1: we know we have come to know him if we keep his commandments <clears throat> because we're talking about his laws, his commandments that are you're claiming they're put on our hearts because we're in the new covenant already. Mm-hmm. I tried to ask you. I said, okay, cool. Tell me what a random law is. And you're like, well, that's a ridiculous litmus test. You didn't ask
0: me a random law. You asked me Leviticus, Leviticus Yeah, you didn't yeah. say, quote a random law. You asked me a, a well, chapter I, and verse that I don't know off the top of my head. I just I, I, quoted Jeremiah well, the point 31. Is, the
1: point is, I do I mean, know can do that. What's, it. What's, but to what's, you, it's what's, random because you don't know it. That's what I'm saying. And here we have in, in 1 John 2, 3, you're trying to say that everyone is already in the new covenant because we have his laws written on our hearts. Not and that's everyone.
0: Everyone well, who, who is has in faith, in belief. faith in Jesus. Yeah. Right.
1: Okay. Yes. So all believers yeah. are already in the new covenant according to you because you think you already have the fullness of God's law written on your heart. Verse 3. It's, By this not, we've come
0: that's to know not, him. That's not, it, I don't believe that they're all already in the new covenant because they already have the law written on their heart. I believe they have the law written on their heart because they're in the new covenant. That's a very different
1: causal relationship no it's not okay yeah it is i got got it on screen here all right i'm trying to read it yeah verse four the one who says i've come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar the truth Mm -hmm. is not in him but whoever follows his word and him the love of god has truly been perfected and that word in the greek means to be completed Finished, okay. in, finished. So we're going to have death.
0: a whole discussion on First John because we could do that, but we're talking about a different letter. We need to keep it in context. You
1: keep, brother. We're talking about you're, the you're same context. You're jumping concepts. around.
0: Why don't we stay in? if we want to have a conversation on First John, let's do it. But we need to have a. Text, we have to put it in the context of the whole book, it.
1: brother. It's <laughs> okay. Can I ask okay. a, I, I on, uh, Re- real, a question? Okay. I think a Keegan, real quick. Keegan, Jeremy. Here's one thing I want to I want to ask respectfully of you as we go forward, brother. Hmm. My channel is called Kingdom and Context. I've used the word context. I've actually done an entire video on 10 easy ways to find context while you're studying scripture. Beautiful. Would you please stop in a derogatory manner acting like I'm intentionally disregarding the context of our conversation or of the verses we're referring to?
0: That's not my intention, but... Well, then you're poorly misrepresenting yourself. Okay. Well, we, we were having a conversation about Hebrews 8, and you jump over to 1 John 2, and it's like... Now we're talking about a whole different letter. No, How we're can not. you understand we're that? We're talking
1: about the commandments written on your heart, the law of God on your heart, whether it's really there or not right now, or are you still learning this? Because Jeremiah 31 says you won't have to teach each other or your neighbor to learn <coughs> okay. about God. You'll know him. Yeah. First John 2, 3 says anyone that knows him but doesn't keep his commandments is not speaking truthfully. A,
0: yeah, yeah. Right. So therefore,
1: yeah. you, that's what I'm trying to tell you, brother. The promise of the resurrection, according to a whole bunch of verses, is that you and, and the new covenant, which is the only time you enter into the new covenant, which is why Yeshua is in the new covenant, because he truly has this resurrected new body. And we are not there yet. But when we get there and get glorified and quickened and get our new incorruptible bodies and have his laws put on our hearts, we then step into this new covenant by which we become mediators in, according to Ephesians chapter three. Mediators of better covenant. To, Wait, to the rest of the world that lives outside the New Jerusalem that still needs to know the law, Isaiah two two through five, as well as Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter forty eight, the whole chapter, as well as Revelation twenty two verses fourteen through twenty one.
0: Okay, so I'm sorry. So to here's where we're having of, a big disconnect is mm-hmm. because
1: you are not taking the face value literal words with their definitions okay, of the scriptures, and you think there's kingdom of heaven. I will, no re- I, will
0: respect- heaven, I will respectfully ask you to stop making platitudinal claims like that about what i'm saying and deal with the text and the question i've been questions. dealing with the text i've been okay. dealing with okay it. so let's stick to the text and 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 i have been. We, okay but but you but i have made arguments from the text and then you've just labeled them as as i'm not taking the literal text where i've pointed out multiple times that you've refused to take the text is literal and so it's it's clear we don't have to take it personally okay brother i'm just well, well, i'm just i'm struggling to understand I'll,
1: your reasoning is this literal or is this figurative this high hold on passage?
0: hold on hold on just hold on stay look at me okay just i'm look looking at, me at you for a minute, i'm looking okay? at you on screen here <laughs> okay so but but what i'm saying is we're both trying our best to interpret the text right but we we recognize that some t- that there are genre of literature that require a different mode of interpretation. There's figurative language. There's literal language, and we both recognize that. We both have. We right? In the, yeah,
1: we've been talking the, about it. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, and so yeah. that's what we're trying to do. So, I'm not trying to misrepresent you, and I, I, I trust that you're not trying to misrepresent me. Now, in Hebrews eight, you ask the question: Is this is literal this, or
1: figurative? Is this tabernacle it mentioned is, here?
0: It is literal. It, it's, it's, it's literal. Wait. But, but, but hold on. Here's the way I would try to explain what I mean by that. I think the absolute, okay, of what heaven is is it is it is. We understand that through the types and shadows that Hebrews talk about, right? Okay. And the and the reason why.
1: But that, that depends is, on your interpretation of how you understand it through the types of shadows. What your okay, if, Yeah, your hermeneutic lens, right?
0: Yeah, but 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 we're talking about, in my understanding, we're talking about a spiritual reality that we literally cannot fathom.
1: We can. He explained it to us in the text. I got okay. it on the screen here, actually.
0: Okay, that we couldn't fathom apart from the narrative history of Israel. I mean, that was the whole point of the history of Israel to be a signpost. To be to point forward to Jesus, as Jesus said to the, the scribes and Pharisees in Mark 7, you search the scriptures because you think in them they have that you find life, but th- it is they that bear witness about me. The that's right. whole movement of the text. That's right. Is so that we would understand the, the revelation Hallelujah. of Jesus. Right. So so that's the way I understand this this reality about. Uh, about the the tabernacle is referential everything the sacrificial system referential the priesthood referential it is all pointing to a heaven reality that then came in the person of Jesus Christ it was the what obviously you don't agree with but you may be familiar with the category that may represent my understanding it would be an inaugurated eschatology that Jesus yeah. began the the last days. And, yeah. you know, it even, you know, it even talks about in. Uh, yeah. Fancy I mean, words it,
1: aside, I actually think there's a lot of proof for that t- idea in scripture. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. When, especially when you read like the old, older literature of the Hebrews and uh, the Old Testament, they talk about the last days and yeah, hundred percent. I agree with you.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, so I guess the, I guess the big, you know, the big point of contention in the discussion is, I, I don't see how Hebrew, like the whole of Hebrews um, 8, 9, and 10 are not declaring that Christ, as the, I mean, you do say he's a mediator of the new covenant. He is the mediator of the new covenant. And I just don't understand how it is that that's not efficacious now and how, how he's not mediating. I mean, even like he's, you, you know, mm-hmm. to quote 1 John, yeah. it, that if we confess our sins and we, he is faithful mm-hmm. and just cleanses, uh, forgives right. sin, cleanses fallen righteous. He is That's our right. advocate before the father. He is right. at the right who, hand of God.
1: Who brings us into the new covenant?
0: Uh, <laughs> well, uh, Jesus brings us into the covenant by the Holy Spirit. That's, that's right, hundred percent. Yep. And because okay. the
1: same Spirit of power of God that worked through Jesus to raise His body to a glorified, incorruptible body. Yes, Revelation three five. He's going to call our names out before the Father and the angels mm-hmm. and raise us to eternal life on the day of the Lord as well, the day yes. of His return. Yes, the same Holy Spirit that flows through the high priesthood position—that's dis- that—is the process the Father assigned in the Old Testament—is mm-hmm. the same process that He's using. In his priesthood of a different order, same instructions of priesthood, just a different order, one not based on genealogy and in a different temple building structure. He gets to announce atonement, clears our sins away, raises us to eternal life, gives us the beautiful promise of the inheritance of his eternal behavior written inside of our being. So we never sin again. We're never under the law of sin and death again and brings us into what I have on screen right here the new Jerusalem that comes down out of heaven, brother, this is a process being described to you. If you bought a couch from Ikea and you read these words and replaced the words heaven and the words firmament and the words new Jerusalem with the words cushion and couch pillow, this is an instruction manual. This is a detailed description of a process that's happening right here, brother. Is this literal or is it figurative when the father tells John in his revelation that he's going to have an entire city, coming down through the firmament, the heaven. Is that You're literal, or figurative? Is it I literal don't,
0: or figurative? I don't know. I'd say I don't know. I, I'm not opposed to it being literal. I'm, I'm not opposed to, uh, I'm certainly not opposed to that being literal.
1: Yeah, this is what Yeshua called the kingdom of heaven.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, okay. The, because the kingdom of heaven is not always referred to as a place. I think even in the Lord's Prayer, when, when Jesus says, to pray, Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's right. Uh, I I think that it is more than a place. I'm not. I don't think it's not a place. Don't get me wrong. But I think it is also. And there's. I'm not alone on this. But the ki- kingdom could also be interpreted reign or kingship. So wherever Jesus is obeyed, there his kingdom is. And that's the sense in which I believe he is saying, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when the the son of heaven comes to earth and calls his disciples to him, and those disciples obey him, wherever that is happening, God's will is done. And in that sense, we become a kind of parable for the kingdom that is to come in its fullness when Jesus returns, which I think maybe we agree with. Uh, maybe we that, agree on that. That's why
1: Yeshua talks about the gospel of the kingdom of God. He taught his disciples the behavior of the kingdom of God. This is the covenant terms. This is what was given to everyone in faith and belief, all the way back to Adam. It's the behavior of the kingdom to practice. <coughs> Leviticus eighteen five, Ezekiel chapter twenty verse eighteen, a whole bunch of other places. If you do these behaviors, you will live. Mm-hmm. You're going to get that eternal life, the promise of Abraham, in which everyone in Mount Sinai was in the same promise given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It literally tells you that in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 20. Mm-hmm. Everyone is in the same covenant promise of, in this life, while you're in the mortal flesh, you practice his behavior. He knows you're going to fail. That's why he gave you a priesthood. Mm-hmm. You have a specific priesthood promised to an earthly human mortal person called Levi, a son mm-hmm. of Jacob, that then passed down to Levi, to Aaron and then the Zeokites. And then you have a different order of priesthood, just like the one that uh, Abraham tithed to in Genesis 14, the Melchizedek order. Mm -hmm. That's the order that Yeshua steps into, because that one's not dependent upon being a specific lineage of genealogy. Mm -hmm. So that one, you just clearly have to do the behavior of the father in order to be able to be in that priesthood. Yeshua exemplified that perfectly. That's why he is the high priest. Of this tabernacle in heaven, a literal physical place directly above your head, God is closer to you than some ethereal, nondescriptive place. He's literally above you. That's where the angels come from when they come down to the earth. He's ministering in a true physical tabernacle on your behalf, brother, to make atonement for you. When you came to Christ, when you came to your confession and repentance of sin, he was in that tabernacle ministering on your behalf for you to make that possible.
0: Yeah, see, I I would take the the cross as the place where atonement was made. That's not
1: the Father's process. That's where he gave his life selflessly to get to his priesthood. But that's not the process the Father outlined in scriptures of how atonement's made through his his behavior.
0: Well, if you understand Jesus' body as the temple in the way that he referred to it, uh, then then you could under, and what I believe what Hebrews 10 is saying when he says that the temple was, the curtain was torn, that is Jesus' flesh.
1: His flesh, right?
0: Right. So right. I, I take that to be saying, I think the plainest reading of that is that the so cross, you, yeah, go ahead. How do you
1: take that Hebrews 10 passage as a metaphor? Because you understand that's a metaphor. Yeshua's was... Personal flesh wasn't literally yeah. the veil. The the literal veil was across the hills over in the actual temple in the yeah. holy of holies. So you yeah. know that's yeah. a metaphoric statement. But yet, totally, we come over here to Hebrews chapter eight, where it literally tells us there is a temple he's ministering in, a tabernacle in heaven, and you don't take that literal, you take it as metaphor.
0: Uh, I'm sorry, which which passage? Oh, be, oh, because because you see, I think the 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 category difference that kind of describes the different lenses we're looking through is that you see heaven with particular like the big category for you is place i see the big category as person okay okay and and i think that's where maybe we have a big disagreement because here's a
1: here's a fifth reference well, well hold on
0: well let me finish let me finish okay. with when, when like you got to ask the question so why let's stick to hebrews for a minute i mean we can come back to this but when the author of Hebrews refers to Jesus' flesh as the curtain, he's clearly using this metaphor, metaphor that comes from the temple, right? We can, and right. we understand. He
1: expects, he expects you to know the process of the temple and the trappings and the furniture and everything involved that the writer of Hebrews expects you to know the Old Testament to get that metaphor.
0: Okay. Yeah. Right. and, 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 you know, when Jesus was crucified, the, curtain was ripped from top to bottom right okay now do you think he's referring to the same analogical moment where you had a temple curtain being ripped and jesus body being crucified
1: i think that the taking the context of hebrews 9 and 10 where it -hmm. it goes kind of hebrews 8 almost jumps over what was being explained in hebrews 7 but it doesn't quite, it's still just expounding on some ideas. But Hebrews 7 is expounding upon the differences between the two priesthoods, between the Levite and the Mm Melchizedek. He then goes in Hebrews 9 and 10 to go and expound further into those differences by explaining the day of atonement requirements of the high priest, how he had to make atonement for himself and for his family before he could atone for the entirety of the assembly of Israel. Mm -hmm. He's referencing Leviticus 16. Mm -hmm. So therefore he's leading up this whole time till we get to the point of Hebrews chapter 10 to express this idea of Yeshua, Getting to a place of, in his body being a sacrifice, as Hebrews five six through ten already tells us, mm-hmm. on the cross, Yeshua's body is metaphorically like the veil being torn, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. I agree. And Because, and, and and the because veil, we see, and,
0: and the veil literally was torn, right?
1: Yes, it was literally torn. Okay, okay? Yeah.
0: okay. but so God, it's, that's it's, it's God's a sign that something is changing about the temple. Well, it, I would say.
1: That's that. Yes. uh, Okay. I'll accept your interpretation. My interpretation would be Mm -hmm. according to the context of Hebrews seven, nine and 10, Mm -hmm. that is expounding upon the idea that there was corruption in the Levite priesthood, which is what expounds in those chapters, which is what we Mm -hmm. see in the gospels. And that Mm -hmm. corruption was them ministering in a temple with the wrong hearts, not doing the behavior of God as Yeshua calls them out at every single point of the game, which is what I expressed two hours and 10 minutes ago. So that is, they were not doing the law of God they were doing their own things and they were doing and th- but this is what I expressed from Leviticus 9 much earlier when Aaron was required to do the law of God and minister as a priest he had to have his heart circumcised he had mm-hmm. to do it with the right heart the father doesn't the father just like Hebrews 10 said it's not the blood of bulls and goats that takes away sin yeah,
0: yep amen I what
1: the, the what we needed this whole time was not a perfect blood or bull, a bull of goat because they already had that. They literally were supposed to be required to get the, this spotless bland, uh, lamb mm-hmm. or ox or whatever. They already had, quote unquote, according to God's requirements, they already had what was needed for that sacrifice. And it still didn't do what Yeshua can do because he is perfect in his behavior And then he steps into a priesthood that's never been done on earth from Adam Mm -hmm. to the days of Yeshua. No one has ever been able to be a faithful high priest who is without sin to step Mm -hmm. before the father. And as a result of that purity, which is what Hebrews five expounds upon, he gets to have a greater access to God's power to give to us. And that's why I said earlier, it's a shortcut with Yeshua's priesthood Mm -hmm. so that he can minister in his body his glorified body in the heavenly physical real tabernacle above and drop the spirit to us on the earth as he deems and sees fit according to his will so that it can empower us to help us to do his will which is the commandments of god
0: mm-hmm.
1: which is all the all the behavior that he instructed that would apply to us
0: yeah okay and this is, this is why
1: once we get yeah. the promise of getting those laws on our hearts so we don't have to learn them anymore once we get to the new covenant
0: mm-hmm so that, yeah, it, yeah, go ahead.
1: Yeah, so I'm just trying to say, yeah, Hebrews 10. It ex- you have to understand the priesthood and the positions of the priests and what their job duties were. Basically, yeah. it requires you to have a working knowledge, a strong working knowledge yeah. of Leviticus and Numbers. And then once you have that, you can see all the references and metaphor being made to Yeshua's body, just like yeah. you know Paul calls him in First Corinthians 5:7. He calls him our Passover Lamb. Was Yeshua literally yeah. a lamb? No. No. He was called the no. lamb of God. It's a, it's an yeah. idiomatic phrase given to him a moniker. He was yeah. not literally chopped up and cooked on the altar, the bronze altar and and fed to the people yeah. for Passover, right? So right. it's we know that Yeah, right. They're using law terms from the Old Testament prophets yeah. to refer to our Messiah in yeah. different parts of his job and his obedience. And that's yeah. all. Yeah.
0: It's and, it's and a metaphor. It, it, well, I mean, it is a metaphor, uh, but 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 you know, it's again in that sense that I quoted from Mark 7. The scriptures all about him or Luke 24, that he went back and basically had this long Bible study with his disciples after the resurrection. He showed them all in the law and the prophets and the Psalms that were written about him. Right. So all of these word pictures were instituted by God himself so that in the old covenant, so that the gospel would be understood and that Christ would be recognized. I think you agree with that. Right. Right.
1: Um, sure. I mean, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. So loosely, I mean, I don't want to pick it apart, but loosely. Yeah. I get what you're saying.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, um, okay. So
1: again, he's not a literal (laughs) sacrifice. He's not, he's not put on an altar and killed by a Levite priest. So even in Isaiah 53, 10, he's called a guilt offering, which is different than a passive
0: Well, this is a a beautiful thing. Like what was the, I mean, think about Jesus, I mean, it's quoted in, in even Hebrews 10. And the prophets pick up on this, even in Samuel says, "God, it's not like God ever delighted in sacrifice, right? So what is the point of the sacrificial system?
1: It's, it's to have Hebrew a the
0: father. Yeah, in fact, well, hold, we on, had hold, a on, hold on, hold on, hold yeah. on. Oh, so, yeah, but multiple times throughout the Old Testament and it's here in, in, in Hebrews 10, That it says, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, right? What did God desire?
1: Let's read the passage because there's a, there's a, here's where we have to start.
0: I let you, let me just finish here because, because I want to, I want to go through the text actually to all the way to verse 10 of chapter 10 and read it. Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. Now, remember, in context, the, the discussion of the body was brought up uh, earlier in chapter 9, right? When he starts, he introduces the idea of a will. Remember, he says he's a mediator of a new covenant, verse mm-hmm. 9, verse 15, so that those who are called may receive the promise of inheritance, inheritance, uh, 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 So for a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgression committed under the first covenant for where a will is involved, the death of the one who made it must be established for a will takes effect only at death since it is not enforced as long as the one who made it is alive. Therefore, even even the first covenant was was inaugurated, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. And that's I right. take that to be leading to his, the whole logic of that is saying that Christ inaugurated the second covenant by his blood. So he goes on he chapter made, 10, it, verse 6. You're not dead yet, though, brother. But Christ is and raised that's from why the I already dead. Said, that's what yeah. I already
1: said. He entered into the new covenant because yeah, yeah, yeah. he gets the promise of the covenant. I, I see what you're right, saying. But uh, like you I are not there yet.
0: Yeah. Okay, okay, but and, but he's but he is currently the mediator of that covenant.
1: He he bring he t- makes atonement for us so he can bring us into the new covenant at resurrection. Oh, okay, I'd say this I is where
0: you. well, well, we did <laughs> good one. Uh, we we just disagree about a time issue here, okay, but but I've, but, but
1: we disagree about the, well, the, the well, definitions of the words,
0: okay, but hold on, well.
1: We okay. really do. Well, I mean, we how, really do.
0: how generic of a thing could you say? I mean, that. I just... I'm
1: sorry, man. I tried where, to... where do
0: we even begin? But hold on. Let me finish reading this passage. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have not, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, here's what God wanted. Not sacrifices and, and burnt offerings. A body you have prepared for me. For behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written in the scroll of the book. What does God want? It is not sacrifices. It is what He wants people to do His will. That's what made Jesus' life an acceptable offering to God. He did the will of God perfectly mm-hmm. throughout His entire life. But then it goes brother, on. Just brother, want to read the verse. You misquoted 10.
1: something just then. What you did I
0: misquote?
1: You said that God. Sorry, does I'm not... doing
0: most of this from memory, so I should I, be. I
1: hear you, but the the passage says that God does not take delight in sacrifices for sin
0: sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. Keep,
1: keep reading the next verse.
0: In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. He, ma- takes, he makes two statements.
1: For, for sin offerings.
0: For sin do you know, offerings. Do you
1: know what sin offerings are? There's a different, there's multiple offerings listed in Leviticus.
0: Yes. And he just listed generally sacrifices and offerings. And mm-hmm. now he's saying burnt just, offerings and sin offerings. Okay. So if that's the no way, pleasure.
1: If, if we're going to, you know, I'm not saying this to be tongue in cheek, but I, I literally don't know how any other way to it, compare these two verses right here. OK, so if that's the way that we're going to interpret Hebrews chapter uh, chapter 10 that you're reading,
0: I'm not and, interpreting. I'm just reading it.
1: Well, what you're saying is you're you're claiming that the father doesn't delight in sacrifices as a whole. Yet we just read two chapters earlier in Hebrews chapter eight, verse three and four. Yeshua was in heaven offering sacrifices and gifts in the tabernacle in heaven. And so, I got on screen right here. Sorry,
0: sorry. Re- yeah, I got go on screen right Go to that. Go to that verse <laughs> specifically. Okay. Um, you you think that, that you think Jesus is in heaven, literally slaughtering lambs? Is that? I'm just asking.
1: What do what do you see? This. Okay. What, do, what do you? Will you just read that for me? Just humor me and read that for me.
0: A minister in the sanctuary in the true tabernacle, which the Lord sets up, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. So it is necessary that this high priest also have something to offer. Now, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all. Since there are those who offer gifts according to the law. Where, where does it say that he is in heaven right now, slaughtering lambs and offering them to God? Right here.
1: He's in the sanctuary in heaven. And it's explained uh, that priesthood. Oh, 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 oh. That is,
0: baby, I, I, I'm trying to explain it to you. Okay, go for it. (laughs)
1: Okay. Yes, my question. Yes, it is. Okay. He's in heaven. We have such a high priest who's taking a seat at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. Yeah, yeah. This is where Yeshua is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Where to minister, that's a priestly term. To minister. Yeah, it means
0: to serve. It's the same word, dichios. It's the same word as serving. That's why he calls him a high priest of the next verse. He's
1: ministering in the sanctuary in the true tabernacle. What is the definition of a high priest ministering in a tabernacle?
0: Diakonos. Sorry, I misquoted. What what is Sorry. the biblical, Sorry, the biblical definition?
1: Again. What is the definition of a priest ministering in a tabernacle? What does that look like? What does that do practically and literally?
0: Well, it depends on if you think there's a new tabernacle. In, and it's not the new. new covenant.
1: It, it's not new. This is the one that's been here since creation began. This is what Hebrews tells us later. It so means is,
0: worship in general. Now, do you think that Jesus is, is the slaughtering animals in, in heaven? Let me ask you that.
1: I'm telling you that it tells us right here in the text. That he's in the tabernacle in the heavens, okay, and he's offering sacrifices and gifts just like the other priests do according to the law.
0: Okay, so let me ask you this: and and
1: before we go, I'm going to express this to you because remember, Hebrews is not saying anything new; he's just repeating. So Jesus is killing animals in
0: heaven. Is that what you're saying? We're going to just just
1: yes or no. I'm going to I'm going to it. I'm answering the question, brother. You want me to answer from my personal opinion or from Scripture?
0: I want you to answer from Scripture.
1: Here Here we go. Here we go. You ready?
0: Yeah. So
1: this is speaking of. This is the whole context about the kingdom of heaven,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? And in verse seven, and it says, even those talking about the, even foreigners and all everybody that he brings in, Isaiah 57, 19, all the nations that he brings in to worship God at the new Jerusalem, which is the kingdom of heaven, which is also called in Isaiah multiple places, the holy mountain and his house of prayer. He says, even those I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar for my house. We call it a house of prayer for all peoples.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Do you guys know that making a, a sacrifice was just literally a priest making a meal before the father that he can enjoy fellowship yeah. with the father?
0: Um, well, some said the peace offering was that, but not, more, all sac- more, not all sacrifices yeah. were eaten.
1: Do you guys know that the, the priest the offering was the priest in, in Deuteronomy, um, Deuteronomy 21 and Leviticus 6, the priests eats of the sin offering? Because it was how he created mediation and fellowship with the father on behalf of the sins of the people. Yeah. 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 It, so the it, point is, what I'm trying to say is the way you're reading Hebrews 10 is you're trying to make sacrifices a bad thing. When we got Hebrews eight telling us that the Yeshua is in heaven doing them, and we have a prophecy in the future about the New Jerusalem, the Kingdom of Heaven, where all peoples, both the resurrected saints and all the nations who come to join before the Lord, will okay. all be doing sacrifices and burn offerings <laughs> of the Father, because it's literally a yeah. meal. It's not a yeah. bad thing. Okay. You make a meal every day with your family.
0: Yeah. Okay. It's just okay. a meal. Yeah. So let me ask you, what I was doing was reading the text, which says, "I'm uh, just reading the words: sacrifices yeah. and offerings." You have not desired. I was not having, now hold on. Now I haven't, I'm not trying to have a discussion about this. We can have this discussion. I'm happy. I was trying to get to where the text gets. I'm not saying sacrifices in the Old Testament were bad. God commanded them. But I'm just saying, what did God really want? He wanted his people to do his will. (laughs)
1: That's right. What do you think, the Matthew 22, what do you think the wedding supper of the Lamb is? It tells you in the text in verse 4 that they slaughter the ox.
0: I think we're going to eat in heaven. I think we I, it's not that I in in the New Jerusalem, I'll say, the new heavens and the new earth. Uh, I do not think I, I think I mean the whole point of this passage is that the, that Christ, because of Christ, there is no more need for offerings and sacrifices. He is the final sacrifice. It doesn't say that, brother. Uh, Well, it says he, well, that's your
1: interpretation. Respectfully, that's your interpretation. That's what I heard in in seminary. Yeah, but that's not. Okay.
0: So, so you think that we should still be offering sacrifice? No,
1: I think there's context to this because the the Levites, just as Hebrews 8, verse 4 and 5 tells us, if Yeshua were a priest, he wouldn't even be a priest if he were back on earth his priesthood is connected to the kingdom of heaven and the tabernacle in heaven above the levites were appointed and anointed and granted the eternal position of priesthood on the earth and i'll go to why that's relevant right here with another passage so, I'm not a Levite. There is no standing temple. This is, we're in a moment of prophecy right now where we're in a dispersion that was prophesied with no standing temple.
0: So, are you a Zionist then? No, a, brother. I don't
1: do Judaism. And that's okay. actually a version, a worse version of Judaism that deals with Kabbalah. And
0: okay. Brother, just I'm just trying to take the
1: scriptures just as they say. Man. Oh, yeah. No, totally. no, no. I, this is why I tell everyone: Look, if they try to build another temple over there, that's not—it's not. Yeah, what's that's in scripture. Asking for okay, The only good. other temple that's promised that we just had on screen, I didn't get to read, was Revelation twenty-one. That comes down out of heaven. That's the only other temple that's going to matter to anyone
0: on the earth. So, <laughs> when there's no temple, but yeah,
1: <laughs> we we already went over that in great
0: detail. Yeah, also, if you it,
1: If you would like to read Ezekiel forty through forty-eight, it'll give you a little clearer understanding on that. I so you know what I have read that. here.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. So. <laughs> Here in Isaiah, we have uh, in chapter 66, he actually tells us, which perfectly lines up with Hebrews 8, 4, and 5, I was trying to express to you earlier, is this idea that the Levites are for the earthly priesthood. You as a Melchizedek, in the same Melchizedek order of priesthood that Yeshua is in, you're not there yet, literally. And when you get there, you're going to be ministering inside the kingdom of heaven in a real literal tabernacle, not on, not outside the kingdom of heaven on the earth, because the Levites have already been granted that position. This is what it tells us, and when he comes back, and I'm going to read about the second coming of Yeshua, I pray to the Father that you think this is literal. Verse 18, he says, I know their works and their thoughts. The time is coming together all the nations in all tongues, and they shall come and see my glory, and I will put a sign among them and send survivors from them to the nations, Tarshish, Put, Lud, Meshach, Tubal, and Javan, to the distant coastlands that have neither heard my fame nor seen my glory, and they will declare my glory amongst the nations. Then they shall bring all their countrymen from all the nations as a grain offering to the Lord on horses, chariots, litters, mules, and camels to thy holy mountain, Jerusalem. That's the new Jerusalem says the Lord, just as the sons of Israel bring their grain offering in a clean vessel to the Lord, I will take some of them as priests and Levites. Mm -hmm. Also in Ezekiel 44, verses 7 through 9, it tells us the same information that amongst mortal mankind, he will choose from among them priests as Levites. This is exactly Mm -hmm. what Hebrews chapter 5 expresses to us as well, as it tries to help us understand their qualifications for a priest, which is someone that is taking amongst his brethren for every high priest is taken from among men in appointment on behalf of people and things pertaining to God to offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. So we have two places in Hebrews chapter five and chapter eight that tell you she was doing sacrifices in heaven as a high priest. Therefore we cannot conclude chapter 10 is nullifying that process. According to your interpretation.
0: Okay. Well, I, and I, and I just showed I, you a prophecy
1: about the new Jerusalem, them doing sacrifices in the, kingdom well, see,
0: I see, I wouldn't We're just make a Yeah, no. I, and I, I just wouldn't agree with, your interpretation of certain of those texts. I mean, you I just jump to multiple of them. I and know this is,
1: yeah, we're, we're following the thread of the co- the topic throughout multiple books that mention and explain it.
0: Well, I mean, I could do the same thing. I mean, I could spell out a temple the I mean, one of the things that we haven't even talked about is the role of baptism in all this and why baptism. I mean, you have in John the Baptist, the son of someone through the line of Aaron, Elizabeth, and Zechariah, who was a Levite. That's right. John comes qualified as a priest, but baptizing people as a prophet.
1: Was he in the New Testament or the New Covenant? What's that? Was John the Baptist in the New Covenant?
0: John the Baptist was the final prophet of the Old Covenant. Where does
1: it? Where does it say that, brother?
0: It's an interpretation. Okay. But what was he doing? What was the precedent for baptism? When? When were people? When were people washed in the Old Testament? The precedent for baptism. Is the day of atonement. The priest would bathe himself in pure water in pre in preparation to enter the holy of holies. What John was doing is saying, not one person once a year can enter into the holy presence of God. He wasn't preparing like that priest. What was he doing? He was preparing for a priesthood of all believers. He was inviting everyone to be baptized, to okay. be prepared for the hold on, for the holy of holies, as it were, to yeah. enter into them. Because again, this leads into us being declared the temple—it's a new reality under the new covenant. This is where it's—I'm taking the plain text of Scripture. And you're just disagreeing with me. You disagree with my interpretation. But I know. It, I'm trying but let me to ask you something about your baptism. I'm trying thoughts. to make—I'm trying to make sense of the plain reading of text that—that that it doesn't sound like you're taking literally that we are a well I'm, in the sense that. I take literally
1: like the things the that the Hebrews, context tells you to take literally according to yeah, yeah. the definition of the word. Well,
0: the author of Hebrews right. calls the temple and the, the Lord, literal
1: place in heaven. Yes. That will that will be the fullness on your heart. Yeah.
0: <laughs> they they are referred to in terms of types and shadows, copies and shadows. The blueprint. He calls the temple. He says yeah. that Moses followed a blueprint, right?
1: Yeah. Like the he, one in heaven. That's what yeah, I just read but in Hebrews 8.5. Right. Yeah.
0: But, but see, now, but you take that. Not your
1: heart, not your body.
0: I never said that, okay?
1: I thought you just did, actually. I'm sorry. I'm trying to keep up with you. I'm asking about, you You said the purpose of baptism was for people, for the priest to enter the Holy of Holies once a year. I agree with you. But John the Baptist was baptizing the average lay person. That's the whole point. It's not
0: not close to the the Levites.
1: Just like in Exodus 19, when God instructed all the people that were going to come to the base of the Mount to wash themselves three days earlier.
0: Okay. Baptism is
1: a longstanding, just like in Genesis 35, Jacob and his whole family washed themselves and changed their garments to go but to the temple of Bethel.
0: Like that was an institution under the it Old was. It, it was
1: because ministry. Leviticus chapters 12 through 15, now Leviticus 12 through 15, a person yes. is to keep themselves clean so they can come before the Lord. Just like Exodus 23 says three times a year, all the males are to come before me, all the males of Israel. That's not just the priests. Yeah.
0: Okay, but the the institution of it,
1: yeah, I'm just saying you're, you're applying something the, just to the priest to everybody, but that's and, and, but, already well, told you we're in a priest de- yeah.
0: common denominator that they were coming into the presence of God. What's John the no, Baptist but, doing? He's some priest. of those people never met Yeshua ever he's coming near the present. Yes, but the nearer you got to God's presence, that's where the cleanliness and the purity laws came into fruition. That's John the Baptist brothers, was a prophet. Be, he, he, please don't interrupt. Okay, John the, the Baptist was Peter. a prophet, but he's qualified as a priest. That's something that most people don't recognize. He was, but but was he
1: ordained in the temple ministering as a priest?
0: No, he wasn't.
1: Okay, so then it's it's not not, the same context of Leviticus.
0: But he was introducing the new temple and the new priesthood. That's where we have such a fundamental disagreement. In Matthew 3. What did he say? I baptize mm -hmm. you with water, but the one who comes after me will baptize you with the spirit and with fire. Mm -hmm. He's doing something. He said Jesus would baptize people with the spirit with sure. fire. That's sure. a new thing. That's sure. not because that, he, that's
1: he knew Jesus was appointed and prophesied to be the high priest.
0: And and why, why does it matter? It's, it matters because when we are baptized in the name of the father and the son and the Holy spirit, we take on a new identity as children of God and as citizens of his kingdom. Sure.
3: Ephesians children, 2, 8, 2 10. children to, of God yes,
0: in a oh, yeah. very new sense. Ephesians The five, old, yes. Testament, old Testament is very hesitant to refer mm-hmm. to God as father there's a few times it's used metaphorically and the first announcement Jesus nice. makes is oh, what did De- 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 32 yeah i said it's a there's a few times it's used yeah. metaphorically once in isaiah 64 and uh in psalm 103 david compares god to a father because he's not are you,
1: are you coming from a Trinitarian standpoint at this point? Is that what you're I at?
0: am coming to it yeah, from okay. a Trinitarian standpoint? Okay. I'm coming from a biblical standpoint. Do you hear me invoking the Trinity? I'm just quoting scripture,
1: Hold You're on, Leading listen. with certain scriptures to which is typical Trinitarian arguments, though.
0: Okay, but the but the whole point is that there's a whole new transformation of identity where now the people of God are not just a nation, they're a family, a family of God in virtue right. of sharing the sonship of Jesus Christ. I don't disagree with in, that. That's amazing. In That's him what we are. Cry, yeah. now, but why yeah. is that possible? Because the Holy Spirit dwells in us. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead also dwells in us. We sh- we share the presence of God.
3: Yeah.
0: Okay.
1: I'm sorry, Keegan. I apologize, brother. About 30 minutes ago you had a question.
3: Oh, <laughs> I no. so apologize no.
1: to
0: you, brother. You're trying to say
1: something. Well, did you I remember don't. what that was?
3: I don't know where it was. Just just respond, I guess.
0: Yeah, you can all over. You can start mm-hmm. to close this down. I know it's been long, a long time. Yeah, and I think I at like this like
1: point it. we are circling back to something we've addressed yeah. two times previously about the end of the spirit. We call it Hebrews 8 calls it a deposit. Um, we I've shown you multiple verses that detail the the parameters for the new covenant. As well as literally the writer of Hebrews 8 and verse 13 saying he, after Yeshua's ascension, had not gone into the new covenant yet. That the old covenant was still growing old and becoming obsolete, waxing old. So even he, the writer of Hebrews, understood he wasn't in the new covenant yet because it's only promised at the resurrection to us, guys. This is where we get our incorruptible body and get these laws written on our hearts so we never sin again. Right now, if you can't try to claim that you're without sin, you're a liar, right? First John 1.8. So right now, until the day you die, you need atonement from Yeshua. You need your high priest to mediate for you to forgiveness of sins. You see um, what I'm saying? Now we yeah, all, and, and we his, strive in our discipleship sacri- to get better. His
0: sacrifice did it, for by a single offering, yes, sir. he yes, has yes, sir. perfected we understand. for all time those who are being sanctified. Yeah, You're he perfected at this
1: 14. point. And you're being—that's a present being tense. You're being perfected. sanctified. I'm yeah, being. No, it perfected. says you are perfected, but for those who are being sanctified. sanctified yeah, I mean, sorry, sanctified. I'm
0: being sanctified. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, right, it's a present it's tense. So you're not completed yeah. yet. Yeah, this but is, I'm being sanctified by the one sacrifice, for by a single his, offering. What, what was his sacrifice? Single offering. What was his offering? Himself. What was his
1: offering? what was his offering?
0: Himself. Okay, so
1: his himself. This is what Hebrews five seven through ten says, right? He's not a literal sacrifice. Did you guys realize that in Acts chapter 20 and 21, they're still doing temple sacrifices and the disciples participate as well as command? Hold on, hold on.
0: You're saying that he did not offer his body as a sacrifice? Well,
1: I'm saying, let's look at the scriptures, brother. I'm saying, let's look at them. The disi- even the disciples are still participating in the Levitical temple sacrifices because it's part of the law, well, and on, they did the law.
0: Stick to Hebrews ten. Don't jump. Well, back no, this is a part. Can, this has
1: this is everything to do with what you're talking about. You're trying to say that, that the context, sacrificial system was put with away Hebrews with Jesus. 10. Right? Are, are you trying to say the sacrificial system was put away with Jesus?
0: I'm saying it was fulfilled. In what does Jesus? that mean to you? Because, uh, it means that all those sacrifices that were done in faith were made efficacious retroactively. I'm okay in, with that. But that doesn't mean
1: the process goes away.
0: What do you mean the process? The process. I'm was... going to read it to
1: you. I'm trying to read the scriptures to us. Well,
0: this is in wait, Acts 21. Wait, stay in Hebrews 10. Well, brother, this. Okay. Go, go for it. Go
1: I mean, I don't know what else to do if you, if I can't go even go cross-reference it. ideas from scripture to explain concepts because. Okay, you, but I, I feel like we're jumping I already gave you a full so synopsis much. of Hebrews 7, 9, and 10 with great detail comparing it to Leviticus 16 that didn't get me anywhere so now i'm trying to go to another place because you're claiming that the the sacrificial system done through the levites in the physical temple on the earth was fulfilled in yeshua and therefore it's incredulous and it's crazy that i would say that yeshua is actually in sacrifices in a heavenly temple which is exactly what the words say so i'm trying to show you next 21 it doesn't where, say
0: sacrifices yes it does brother Hebrews 8 Where say that I've read it four times.
1: It does not use the word sacrifice. It does. It does does not not use the word sacrifice. It says sacrifices and gifts. And it also says in Hebrews 5. 5.
0: Offerings and gifts. That's a different word in Greek. No, it's not, brother.
1: It's the same concept. No,
0: I, I, okay. Now you're just, you're speaking in error. You need to own it.
1: No. The word
0: offering and the word sacrifice is distinct in Greek.
1: Brother, there's nothing else a minister of the priesthood does inside the temple.
0: Are you saying there's no different word for offering and sacrifice in Greek? Is that what you're saying?
1: you can look in Greek and in Hebrew and you'll find the words offering and sacrifice interchangeable in Leviticus because it's the job of a priest.
0: Are you saying they're the same word?
1: They're absolutely the same concept. There's two different words. Okay, well, the there you go. So all this the time. Is
0: just slippery dude. No, no it's, it's not. Just like, no, it's not. Hey, boy, I've, I went no over it four times. I had it on,
1: on screen four times. The, and, the audience. Knows and never exactly once what I'm saying.
0: did you say the words. The reason why it's about the shedding of blood and an offering is different. You okay. can offer a grain offering, right?
1: So, you know, it's, I can only present my side and and obviously we disagree. So after this, I would encourage studying Isaiah 56. Also, Isaiah <laughs> I would encourage you 66. I also, well. okay. And if- study Zechariah 14 and also Ezekiel okay. chapters 40 through 47. And you're going to see all the offerings are listed out in the new millennial kingdom in the kingdom of heaven with the priesthood on earth and the priesthood inside, because that's where we're going to minister inside. Um, so that's just like he's ministering in the kingdom of heaven right now. And I'm showing you on, on screen right now, after Yeshua's life, death, resurrection, and ascension to the Father, they're still ministering on the earth, outside of the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. They're still ministering can on the earth in can the can days of the can disciples. Can. Yes. Can
0: you show me. I, I just I just am hesitant to go somewhere else because I feel like we're Brother, just going uh, to have real quick. to go into the whole chapter for at least. Go ahead.
1: This is, says, after we, that's Paul, we arrived in Jerusalem, the brothers and sisters received us gladly. And the following day Paul went with us to James and all the elders were present and after he greeted them, he began to relate one by one the things which God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And when they'd heard about them, they began glorifying God and they said to him, "You see brother, how many thousands there are among the Jews of those who have believed and they're all zealous for the law. That's amazing, right? They're doing the law of God. Amen. And they have been told about you. they've been this is the disciples, James and Peter and the other guys talking to Paul saying, well we've we've been told about you that you're teaching the Jews who are among the Gentiles to abandon Moses telling them not to circumcise their children nor to walk according to the customs. So what is to be done? They will certainly hear that you have come, therefore do as we tell you. And what do they tell him to do? They say we have four men who have vowed upon themselves, that's Leviticus chapter or Numbers chapter 6, take them along and purify yourselves together with them and pray their expense and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads, Numbers chapter 6. And then everyone will know that there's nothing to what they have been told about you. They've heard some gossip that Paul's teaching Anti Moses concepts. And they, he's saying, prove to us that this is wrong by going and doing this number six vow with these other four men and pay for those their expenses for the animals for the vow of the sacrifice. This is the disciples in Jerusalem post Yeshua resurrection. In verse 25, he says, But regarding the Gentiles who have believed, we sent them a letter having decided they should abstain from, and he's about to list off some things from Deuteronomy and Leviticus mm-hmm. meat sacrificed to eichels and blood and what strangled and from sexual immorality. And then mm-hmm. Paul took along the men the next day, having purified himself together with him. That's a principle in Leviticus. He went into the temple giving notice of the completion of the days of purification until the sacrifice is offered for each one of them. We have sacrifices being done by the disciples, specifically Paul. Oh, totally. post, Post-resurrection of Yeshua on an earthly priesthood in a temple for the Levites on the earth. Yeshua is doing his job as a high priest over everything in heaven and earth in a temple near the Father in heaven.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so uh, this clearly ceremonial sacrifices for the days of purification, right? Are you th- you this think they're a, offering sin offerings and guilt offerings here?
1: This is a number six vow offering. If you yeah. you have to go check out number six, and you'll see the context of what they're talking
0: about. Yeah, and and I don't think that Jews should be required not to. This is not the,
1: Jews, brother. These are believers in Christ. These are grafted in the new. Co- according to you, they're grafted in the new covenant. These are in Yeshua, the priesthood of Yeshua. This no, is the disciples. It's not just there, Jews. <laughs> this, yeah, we've been talking about it a lot tonight. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is not just this is not yeah. just Jews. There there is no like Paul says, there is no Jewish oh. Greek in Christ, right? This is yeah. literally they're grafted into covenant. They're yeah. doing covenant behavior, which is the terms of the covenant, yeah. which in this specific case was to prove Paul was teaching the law of God yeah. converts yeah. making the Gentiles. Yeah, 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 he, yeah. to the I Jews that became a Jew as
0: under the Jews, to those under the no, law a Jew. Yeah, that's yeah. what Paul his does. No. In 1 Corinthians 9, 22, and so on. But listen. So but, then he misspoke uh, on, in Romans
1: 3:31 when he tells the Romans to uphold the law.
0: Yeah. No, no. but I've never argued that. I'm not antinomian.
1: We just read him doing part of the law, ahead. which is sacrifices. Yeshua, yeah, but, our high priest, does the law on our behalf, yeah. doing sacrifices in the temple in heaven.
0: But uh, hold on. Two things just quick. I don't, uh, uh, in the, clearly in the, in the New Testament, There's a transition taking place, and I don't think that what was necessary for the Jews, it was necessary for the Jews to stop doing all their ceremonies. In fact, as a pastor, I'm I'm leading people in the Seder meal on Monday, Thursday, and I'll you know so I'm all about bringing people into the story, bringing them into the customs of the covenant, of which we are all a part.
1: Is it ceremony or is it eternal law that God says was His righteous behavior?
0: Well, it can be it. it, Yes, is that's the day, what he describes well, 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 in Psalm well, and, Sure, sure. Then, then, what do you do on the Day of Atonement? Because is that I, I do this? exactly
1: what Leviticus 23:32 tells me, and I take do? a day off from work. I view it as a Sabbath. Okay. I take a day off from work. I don't work for income. I just rest, read my Bible, a, thankful for the Lord. Just rest. A,
0: you, you don't take a yeah, it's not a, commanded,
1: brother. All it's commanded is to rest from work
0: on the Day of Atonement. Yeah, it's a Sabbath. Okay, so so you think so. We're getting in the weeds at this point. I think we're,
1: we're just talking about the law of God, whether we should do it or not, right? As disciples of Jesus.
0: Well, but I don't disagree with that. I lead people in that regularly. Okay. But we were in Hebrews 10. I'd like to just I'd like to just finish this. And then can I just give you the last word?
1: For sure, brother. And also, Brian, if you have last words, Keegan, if you have last words here, you guys please chime in.
0: Yeah. So in in Hebrews 10, this movement from sacrifice, which this is where that kind of we we took a turn when it says sacrifices and offerings you have not desired and so on. What is a desire? Behold, a body prepared for me. And I've come to do your will. Okay. And the body of Jesus is in the body of Jesus. He says, uh, again, verse nine, behold, I've come to do your will. He does away with the first. He's talking about the covenant in order to establish the second.
1: So wasn't the previous context of three chapters leading up to that talking about the oh. priesthoods?
0: But what about the priesthoods?
1: You know, that what, what I was explaining earlier about, he steps into a different priesthood from the Levites. He, yeah, why, he
0: was. I said that earlier. He's not right. qualified as a Levite. He's came right. in the order of Melchizedek.
1: That's why right. after it's explained in Hebrews 8, as far as what the promise of the new covenant was, then the writer of Hebrews in verse 13 says, this first covenant is waxing old and getting ready to disappear. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah.
1: Do you agree with that statement?
0: Of course I agree with
1: the statement. That's Okay. So then then we're not in the new covenant because the old one's still waxing old and getting ready to disappear.
0: Well, there's different ways you can interpret that. First of all, it could be referencing the fact that the temple was about to be destroyed as Jesus predicted, because this was written probably in the fifties or sixties AD. It was destroyed in 70 AD. You cannot operate in the, All the ways of the old covenant commands without a temple and so forth. But so, but the it doesn't change the and the fact that you have the you have this overlap in the New Testament that it makes it messy to know how to to parse out all of the references. But the clear thing that's being said is that Jesus is a mediator of a new covenant, he comes according to the order of Melchizedek, a new Mm -hmm. priesthood. Uh, not a new priesthood, because Melchizedek's back there in Genesis 14, and what you think of that is who knows. But uh, but he comes in the order of Melchizedek, and that priesthood is a priesthood where, remember what it says? Hebrews 7 actually says, where no one has served on the altar, right? right.
1: No man from among mankind has served yeah. in the heavenly temple until Yeshua.
0: It doesn't right. say that. I mean, you're, yeah, you're reading into it. Read
1: in the next chapter in Hebrews 8, 1 through 5, that's where it tells you exactly what's happening. That's Hebrews 4, 14. He yeah. passed through the heavens to the tabernacle yeah. in the heavens above. Yeah, it, well,
0: I'm just saying. In that's what serving on the altar it means. Says, it says, for the one for whom these things are spoken, belong to another tribe from which no one has ever served on the altar. Talking about. Because from the tribe because was a king, you you know the story.
1: Yeshua is from the tribe of Judah, not Levi. It, technically, I know people like to bring in Mary's genealogy with Elizabeth yes. and Zacharias, but technically, he he assumes his father's tribal yes. identity. So he's from the tribe of Judah.
0: Yes, yeah. and. Uh, yeah I was just referring to Melchizedek being king of righteousness king of peace I feel like we will be yeah. way in the
1: weeds if we yeah, But out. of course and he see, did serve on what? an altar on the ground in Genesis 14 literally he was a priest of the most high God he,
0: well he brought bread and wine right he yeah didn't, but that's he didn't part of a
1: it. sacrifice of tithe
0: I know but I, but, 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 yeah. but it's peculiar is it not that he brought out bread and wine to Abraham it does not say that he offered a proper the, sacrifice the
1: priest no, no no the priest is not responsible for offering the sacrifice Abraham was he's the one who just got the spoils and needs to bring in his first right
0: birth. right right but but, but but Melchizedek was is referred to Right, as but him
1: bringing bread and wine isn't does not change responsibility for Abraham to bring forth the proper sacrifice. Oh, no, no, no,
0: no. I yeah, yeah, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I, yeah. what I was pointing to is that this priesthood is as it says in Hebrews 7:14 that it is evident that our Lord descended from the tribe of Judah and not connection uh sorry, in 7 uh that sorry, 7:16 that this priest arises um, in the likeness of Melchizedek, who became a priest not a basis not on the basis of legal requirement concerning bodily descent, but by the power of an indestructible life. That's the basis of that priesthood. That that's that's what qualified Jesus. Why did he have an indestructible life? Because he did die.
1: He got but resurrected God he God. Raised from that's the right. dead, right? That's how he but ended the new covenant. You're exactly right.
0: <laughs> that's how he inaugurated the new covenant. Amen. Right. But no <laughs> one else
1: is there. Yeah, he can be the first to inaugurate it. That's fine. But yeah. no one else yeah. is there. You're not dead yeah. yet, brother. You read it in Hebrews 9 yourself. No, no. You, you made the covenant with God and entered oh, into no. it with faith I, and belief. Yeah, yeah. You I'm, haven't died yet.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to die. Uh, and that's a judgment of sin, right? I yeah, I'm not talking that. about that.
1: I'm just saying like all the descriptions you read the new covenant have not qualified to you. Okay, That's all I've been trying to say.
0: Just let me just let me finish this okay. this passage. Okay. And then and then you could totally have that last last word. I love this conversation. Well, I think we got been... Keegan and Brian at one to the Oh, yeah, they, yeah, they can, you know. Okay, so behold, I've come to do your will. He does weigh in away with the first in order to establish the second. He's talking about the covenant because he's referring back to what is necessary for a will to take effect. And he begins that discussion in chapter nine, verse 15. And then he says, and by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. And every priest, this is verse 11, stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, to do he what? sat down, At the right hand of God, waiting from that time until His enemies should be made a footstool for His feet. For by a single offering—that's right—single, okay. That's one. That's not two. That's one. That's not more than one. It's one. By a single offering, He has perfected for all time, once for all. Hold on. You can. You can have the last word for all those who are being sanctified. It's still a efficacious. It itself was proleptic in its efficacy mm-hmm. and retroactive in its efficacy. Sure, there you go. And yeah. then he quotes the Jeremiah 31 reality that is true to us now because we are his sheep and we hear his voice. Yeah. And then he goes on and and he, I won't go into the, those who profane the blood of the covenant that would just okay. take us too far. But are you
1: really going to go through all the chapters eight, nine, and 10 right now?
0: No, I said I'm not going to because okay. I know it'll take too long.
1: It looks like okay. you are though.
0: You but, just
2: went through all I just of. Said
0: I just said I'm not going to. Okay. I'm just I'm just saying. Uh, I just two more two more pres- passages okay. and then and then I'm done. I'm just reading okay. scripture at this point. Then he says that we have come to Mount Zion. How have we come to Mount Zion? Interesting. He says you already have. That's past tense. You have come to Mount Zion. You know, You're at Mount Zion
1: right now. Look, Bro, get me the tickets. I want to go to No,
0: too. I, I'm reading the text. Okay, I'm we, just we saying, start you, with the text, and then admitted, we have to interpret them.
1: You just admitted prolepsis two text two verses ago, but now you're wanting to take it literal when it's literally talking about something that's not here. I yet?
0: didn't. I didn't admit prolepsis. I just simply said, "For a single offering has perfected." What's it say? For all what time? That means forward and backward. That's Bro, when, not reading into the text.
1: Well, that's, that's you applying for all time to forward and backward, which he's speaking about for those who all being, time. Those who are being sanctified are the ones who are being perfected. You keep switching around those words there. Those who are being sanctified text. All I'm trying to say is the present sanctified people, the di- people in discipleship right now are being sanctified. He has perfected them for all time. Are you perfected yet?
0: I'm being perfected.
1: That's not what it says. It says you're being sanctified. That's a I'm discipleship sa- process.
0: Yeah. Well, I perfected, perfected the, sacrifice, the sacrifice has been perfected in Christ.
1: Brother, you don't get perfected to the resurrection, and then you're currently being sanctified in discipleship because so you're the perfect,
0: the terms of, Are you saying perfection always refers to resurrection? Because I can no, point to I'm, a number of texts. Where no, I'm saying in this,
1: in this passage, yeah. what you're trying to say is is not applicable to what you're trying to. what
0: am i trying to say
1: what you say you're already perfected (laughs) that's what you said and i said you're being the text says you're being sanctified by a single by this sacrifice he he has perfected perfected for
0: all time those who are being and how does that happen sanctified this is
1: a description phrase how does the little nuts and bolts of that process happen this requires you to know the concepts of the priesthood brother You don't think I know the
0: concept of the pre you you just know them better than everyone. No, no, I just
1: respectfully you've shown me tonight that there are some places that you do not know. See, now you're just claiming
0: your own authority. See, we have different it's not about authority,
1: it's not about authority. We 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 have two
0: different interpretations, and you're saying, No, I know it, I have this secret knowledge. I got it
1: on the screen. You just read it earlier in the previous verses there in chapter 10
0: that he was taking the You go ahead and have that last word. I was going to read two more passages about the covenant from verse 8 from chapter 8 10 and 13 but I'm done because I can't get through it without you interrupting me so you go ahead and or if you guys want to have the last word
1: I mean brother we've been talking at each other this whole 3 hours come on oh, I come on. know but you wouldn't you just wouldn't let come on. me you wouldn't let when, me finish hey, okay so when I used to box if you would have yeah. been like I just want to rest for the last 10 seconds of this round and I didn't let you then you would have been okay with that no of course well, you I would love to love continue to, to
0: participate.
3: participate
0: okay yeah Okay, well then I'm gonna to continue to participate. So let me finish. Okay. You have come to Mount Zion. Okay. You have come. I'm just reading the text. So you can dismiss it however you want. If we're sparring, I gotta be like that, right? No, I'm just kidding. But you have you you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and into innumerable angels and festival gathering to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven and to God, the judge of all. To the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Now let me read the last, the last passage. It's at the close of Hebrews, Hebrews thirteen twenty, and it's key. I think now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good, that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. God's working in us through the Holy Spirit, presumably, in the same way Paul talks about it. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. My last statement, okay, about the covenant is that here's the good news of the covenant. One, your sins are forgiven. That's what Paul calls the gospel in 1 Corinthians 15 in that description. For Romans 1, it's the power of God for salvation. 1 Corinthians 15, Jesus died for the forgiveness of our sins according to the scriptures. He was raised from the dead for according to the scriptures,
1: right? Our, our brother, you you told me that if I was going to not interrupt you, you're going to finish those two passages, but now you're leading into more than those two passages. you now you're are you still trying to summarize a final statement? Or can I talk yeah, to you now?
0: Yeah, I'm just gonna say that the gospel is Jesus died for the forgiveness of our sins. That's that's the it, essence. How does that process work according to his priesthood? It's the essence of the gospel, and because of that, we have been brought into the new covenant for those who put their faith in Jesus, the the new covenant in his blood. I mean, we haven't even talked about that passage, but into the new covenant in his blood, and those who Accept him. They are. They live is, in the freedom of that covenant. It's a new covenant. And here's what makes it better than the way Hebrews talks about it. It's because you have a, a capacity for communion with God so that God is actually doing the work in you to transform you so that you bear fruit of the spirit, not just yeah, behavior. Galatians that talked, behavior is a fruit of God's work in you.
1: The fruit is the behavior, brother. There's no differentiation.
0: Uh, Joy is a behavior. Peace is a behavior.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Blessed are the peacemakers. Absolutely.
0: Oh, well, peacemaker, but that's not the same as joy. Joy is a behavior. Joy is a behavior.
1: 100%. 100%. You know what? You know what Yeshua tells us about joy? How we get it? It's a behavior. Yeah. You can walk in sadness, depression, or joy. And you can choose to do those things. And in fact, in John chapter 15, verses 8, you don't
0: think it's a fruit of the spirit, then, I suppose.
1: I just I just referenced Galatians five twenty two.
0: Well, you're conflating works of the law essentially with fruit of the spirit,
1: brother. The the behavior. Let's go to joy since that's the fruit of the spirit mentioned in Galatians five, and this is what Yeshua talks about in John chapter fifteen. And we'll go to our Messiah. Yeah, button.
0: I know the I know the reference you're talking about.
1: Okay, because he okay. tells us I'm serious, yep. man. Oh, by the way, I think I ticked off your brother. Someone's in the someone's in the chat that's mad upset at me. All right, so.
0: It looks uh, like there are a lot of people upset at me. <laughs> no, nah, it's you all, have it, you have quite the little following there.
1: Yeah, they're they're not
0: upset. They're just you know it's they're one protective of, where, of you. It looks no, like, so that's cute. they don't
1: they know they don't need to protect anybody. It's just okay. literally. Are we, you know, are we interpreting? Or are we taking the words at face value? You say you are, I say you're not. And that's just where it yeah, survives. Yeah, I,
0: I'm, I'm just scrapping just just it out, you know, just take God, it
3: out. I think we're going to win for your longest live video. I don't yeah, know no, if yeah, we are. I did a yeah, four hour yeah. on the mark of the beast. Oh, nice, moment. nice. So
1: in John chapter 15, verse 8 it says, My Father's glorified by this so that you bear much fruit. Now watch <laughs> what he does here. He connects fruit with joy. So to prove to be my disciples, that's how you bear fruit. And how do you do that? How do you bear fruit and be his disciple? Verse verse nine, just as the father loved me, I also have loved you, remain in my love. If you keep oh, there's that conditional concept you talked about earlier. If you keep my commandments, you will remain yeah. in my love. Yeah. And as I kept my father's commandments and remain yeah. in his
0: love, yeah. These, yeah.
1: Are, are you doing the father's commandments? That's Matthew he can keep
0: tells may stop anyway. Yeah, yeah.
1: So yeah. then so this is verse. So 11. what's jo- joy's I, I'm not, behavior? You're gonna let me finish. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Go so for this it. is these We're things have spoken to you, these things have spoken to you, right? To bear fruit as my disciple and keep the commandments. To bear fruit, my disciple, keep the commandments. These things I've spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be yes. full.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. How do you get joy? You do By walking in the spirit and not gratifying what, what he, the lust of the flesh, flesh right. obeying his commandments. What did, what did but what is did, joy is of behavior? 8, he gives joy. It's a fruit brother, of the spirit.
1: Brother, what did Romans 8, 5 and verses 5 through 8 in, in Romans 8, what did it say? That if you... Walk in the Spirit. You do not gratify you,
0: the desires of the flesh, because yeah.
1: those who gratify the desires of the flesh cannot submit themselves to the law yeah. of
0: God. But yeah, but this is this is like you, you're not following a clear line of logic right now. Yes, I, have I am. To, but, no, you not.
1: Discipleship is commandments and leads well, well, to joy.
0: I feel like you are just like you just shower these new categories. Let's look I at it. I literally this. have it on
1: screen here for us, but joy we can go into not a behavior.
0: Screen. Okay, it's brother. The fruit of the Spirit. But okay. it's not a behavior. So okay. is, now, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, thinking. faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, all are behavioral. But okay. peace and joy, even Jesus says, my peace I give to this you, not as the
3: world much. gives to I? Give. Yeah, I think we're know, getting off
1: into the rails well, here of semantics. Yeah. I think I'm ready for Keegan to, if you have a final statement, yes. brother, I appreciate okay. your patience tonight.
3: Oh, no worries. Um, <laughs> I just want to pray. Yeah. I was gonna pray okay. at the beginning and then I was just trying to submit to what you're doing. I was like, I'm just gonna pray and and uh maybe Brian like, can
0: do the last word and then you pray us out.
3: Is sure. that okay? Brian with you, Sean? or whatever. Yeah, I, that's fine.
1: Yeah. Brian, did you uh want to make any final statements?
3: You're on Uh-oh, mute. oh, mute. Mute, Brian.
1: Brian, take your thing off mute, buddy.
2: There you go. There we go. All right, can, we can you hear, hear me you. now? Yes. Uh and your guys' knowledge is a lot more than mine, but uh uh you say you're an- not anti-nomian. Is that just specific parts of the Bible or is that the whole Bible?
0: Uh no that word comes from the term the Greek word namas, which means law. It means I'm not anti-law. That's that's all I mean by that. Meaning And and so and meaning. and what I would mean by that is if you understand the law the 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 different aspects of the law, there's there's uh, ceremonial law, and Sean would probably disagree. there's moral law, there's judicial law uh, in the under the old covenant.
3: And maybe, Brian, it might be good just to summarize what you know, a couple minutes of where you, what you're feeling because I feel like we could just jump back into something.
2: okay. Yeah, oh. I think New Covenant theology says the law is the entirety of it, and then I think covenant theology divides it from the debates I've heard. Um. So I, I guess my question is: Should I eat pork?
0: Uh, I I had bacon for breakfast this morning. You should ask Sean that,
2: though. Because when I look into the scripture, <laughs> why would he ask me? It... Well,
0: I, I mean, uh, see, I just to see if if you have a difference of opinion is what I'm saying.
1: Well, what's your opinion? He asked you first though.
0: Yeah. Oh, I didn't know he was talking to me. I'm sorry, Brian. Yeah, I, I think that you are free to eat pork. In fact, Jesus declared all foods clean in the Gospel of
2: Mark. Where does it of Mark. say that? In the Gospel of Mark. The one in the parentheses where they added it?
0: Oh, That's not added. It's not in parentheses because it's because it's a, a scribal edition. It's right, in let's pre- bring it
2: up. Let's bring it
0: up.
1: It's on screen, brother. It's not in the text.
2: Uh, that, 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 I can't. No, 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 no. I can't. No, no.
0: Thereby is not in the text. It is. I'll I'll open my Greek text right now and read it to you.
1: Here's the Greek text right here. Let's go to
0: it. it's Mark seven seven, seven
2: nineteen. Seven, There's
3: fancy eight. words on that book, right, Chandra? I don't know what they. I don't know what
2: them are. <laughs> Shut up. Seven nineteen. Yeah. Seven nineteen. Yep.
0: Seven, 19. yep.
1: Yeah, so this would be a huge theological issue, Jeremy, if if he did declare a different law than the Father, yet he claims he said only and did only the Father's commandments. So, yeah, here's the Greek text on screen. It does not declare all things clean. He talks about things coming out of the belly and into the sewer, which is purifying all the food. This is a translator famous, actually famous translator insertion in this passage.
0: 719. Yeah, that's on screen.
3: Yeah. Uh, so, but, what, so what? So hold on. What are we on. seeing on the screen? Is that just words that are in that passage? This is
1: the the Greek Strong's. This is the Greek actual letters, and this is the English translation of the Greek. In the third column on the right hand side, this oh, I, is,
3: I, see how, I see how it's
1: playing out. Okay.
0: nineteen. I'm sorry, but it does say it does say it in Greek. The parent the parentheses in this uh, in this case is not saying that it's not in the original text. It's say, it's making a parenthetical comment in the narrative. It no says catharid zone pantan ta uh, bromata that's what it says, which means purifying, purifying. all meats
1: yeah pure there- this is what this is this is what he's talking about that it w- it's not clean because they didn't wash your hands, but he was saying that this is what you put in your body, your body purifies it as it comes out. he's not talking that to- he couldn't li- he would literally been stoned in that moment if you would have been saying that you could eat pork uh so. And they would have been justified I, I just, to stone him according I, I to the I
0: absolutely disagree with you here. And okay, I know you do.
2: So, so
1: in the New right, Jerusalem, what does it tell us? About what what clean? about
2: Peter's vision when he says, That's, saw, that's, that's just not about. A, that's Gentiles, not about yeah, that was about the Gentile and Jew thing. It's, just okay. about
1: food. it's not about food. It's literally right. in the text, brother. It tells you, Any so, man you, that you Yahweh's you made think, clean, do not you, call him clean.
0: You think that when Gentiles come into the covenant, that they are required to eat, they require required to abstain from eating pork.
2: It's, uh, it's, eternal. Away, it's eternal, it's eternal brother all the,
1: all the instructions for what God called food And what he didn't call food Instructions okay. that even okay. Noah understood before yeah. the boat Yeah. That Leviticus 11, Jeremy 14 Those instructions will be yeah. followed in the kingdom yeah. And I would just
0: say reed zone, pan <laughs> Yeshua can't just change the
1: law, brother That's not how it works He would have not been yeah. a prophet He would have been stoned immediately He can't just yeah. change
0: the law yeah. Well, I would I would just say he's the one who wrote the law and he has the authority to amend the law, raise the standard where he wants, and bring in Gentiles who eat pork because he has an international mission to all tribes, tongues, and nations that would include pork eating Gentiles like you and me. What is it?
1: What does it say on screen here? This is after Mark. Hold on, hold on. What's that? What does it say on screen? This is in chronologically, this is after Mark seven statement.
0: Mm-hmm. And this
1: is in Matthew 23. And Jesus is speaking to the crowds, and he's telling them the scribes and Pharisees sit in the chair of Moses. Whatever they tell you to do, comply with it all. But do not do as they do, for they say things and don't do them. Do you think the Pharisees were telling people it's okay to eat unclean foods? No. Exactly.
0: Yeshua was directly about it. Brother, wait a minute, Yeah, they were elevating. He's
1: clearly telling you right here in the passage to do everything they read from the law of Moses, but don't and, do their hypocritical behavior because they don't do what they read. Okay, Instead, we,
0: disagree, we disagree on an interpretation of the passage. I think you're not seeing the plain text. And you, you just, you, you, you refuse to think that Jesus has the authority to amend a law.
1: Jesus told us himself, He's the high priest and the judge of the yeah. law. He's okay. not gonna change it. He does his father's behavior. Okay. He actually came and only does what the father told him to do. This is John 7:14. If we go to Ezekiel okay. 44, so Brian, Brian,
0: I think you can eat pork. Sean says you can't. Do you have any other questions? Okay. I, I just it, we're not gonna get any further because we we took we looked at a very simple passage, and I I just don't think you're Taking it for what it says, and that's fine. It, it, we disagree. Yeah. What other
1: you would, would not have Brian? been sinless just to go and say, "Hey, you guys can go eat eat unclean foods," when that was literally called transgression of the law.
0: Okay. What else? Anything else, Brian?
2: Yeah, in most of Paul's writings, he's battling traditions outside of God's commandments and whatnot. Yep. Yeah, so, good. like, so, like, uh, uh you know. The church uses, you know, Colossians two sixteen all the time, but then the header right before that says "freedom from human rules," and I think that's an accurate statement of what he's dealing with—human traditions. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, he actually says it.
0: I mean, that's—I think you're absolutely right.
2: Yeah. So when I study Paul and I look mm-hmm. into it in depth, it just seems like he's never contradicting the uh, the commandments, but Oh, look, Colossians 2.16. Oh, yeah, now I can eat pork. Well, but says, listen, what he said.
0: listen to what he says. He says, let no one pass judgment. I feel like what I have to do right now is not let you pass judgment on me, Sean, because it says, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to festival or is new moon talking or about? Sabbath. Is
2: he talking to believers that he's expecting them to do it or...
1: Yeah, I don't he's know. He's counseling his believers that he made, his converts he made. He's, he's discipling them. Yeah, I'm not passing judgment, brother. I'm just, this is just one disciple to another disciple saying, I, I would do the behavior of the Father and not try to think that we have the authority to change it. And Yeshua didn't change it. He said he didn't change it. We he told us behavior to do the of law. The
0: son. If you know the Son, you know the Father, right? Yeah, we, no one's seen God. He's yeah, Did
1: the Messiah eat pork?
0: He's made him known, right? Did,
1: did the Messiah eat pork?
0: Uh, definitely not.
1: Okay, do that then.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to keep eating pork because he because okay. the Messiah <laughs> declared all foods clean.
1: No, I didn't, brother. No, I didn't. He um, did.
0: So he, that's what he did. He did. Yeah, Mark seven nineteen. Everyone listening, you're blessed to go eat pork. Did you
1: guys know that in Psalm one forty two, Psalm one nineteen forty two, and verse sixty, it says that God's laws, His judgment, statutes, and commandments are eternal.
0: Hmm. Do you know that it says in the first section of Hebrews that the, His covenant
3: is eternal. That's that's not what I'm saying,
1: brother. You're you're dodging. I know. I mean, you're you're dodging. You're dodging.
3: The laws are. I'm not dodging. I'm not dodging. If the laws laws are eternal, Mm -hmm. do you feel that it would be um, in line with the Torah to come kill us because we may not have kept the Sabbath? That's not them.
1: that's not my position in the law, brother. You have to know the law before you throw that kind of like. Well, no, that's a good, question. It's no, it's a good statement. No, it's not. Question. Let me tell you why. Yeah. The position of the judges and the priests were the one that decided and disputed matters. Moses even chose them in Exodus 18. We see them chosen again in Numbers. This was the decision of the the judges and the priests first, and then the okay. elders of the people second. Right
2: so we don't have anyone, that judicial system. Right, we're in not
1: us. in that system. We're literally not in that type of setup because we're dispersed, as was prophesied. So there are no Levite judges that are over me in authority in this current dispersion, right? When that time returns and the and the new the kingdom of God comes down, and you and me are in the Maccabees order ministering the law alongside Yeshua, we may have to make that judgment,
3: Keegan. So you might have to kill me if. if no, if, you
1: you you completely didn't hear a thing I
3: said, brother. You didn't hear a thing I said,
1: man. Why would you ask me a make, question and just say, ignore me?
3: You would say we would make that judgment, not you would. I
1: brother, I said look
3: once we get to the
1: the kingdom of heaven, you and I are made priests to rule and reign with Christ. Part of that reigning concept and ruling concept is that just like the, the priests of of the old, they're judges among the people. They judge disputes amongst the law and cases brought to them when people transgress the law and they had to make a decision whether they wanted to apply the punishment of the law or not. And they would make an evaluation based on the Torah, the law. So you and I are going to be doing that when we're priests who rule and reign During the millennial reign, as we interact with all the people outside the kingdom of heaven who are repopulating the earth for a thousand years, we get to do that. So, no, it would not be contextually appropriate. It would not be theologically appropriate for right now for for any believer to try to stone another believer according to a transgression of the Torah. That's not how it works, brother. I didn't didn't
3: expect you would say yes. I was just curious with, with saying the law is eternal. But no, no, that makes sense what you're saying. Yeah. How about I pray for us? That You're sound? welcome, too, your brother. Yeah, cool. How so far, <laughs> I've had to pee for a while. Too. Um, I'll I'll pray, Jeremy. You can hear me. No, hold on. <laughs> he wants to come back. Right for me. Um, I am appreciative of you having us on and being cordial, and it's been fun. Um, yeah, so I really th- have appreciated it. I know, it, I know, it gets
1: great. lively, but guys, I get passionate just like you guys do. Yeah. So hopefully you guys understand there's no ill will. There's no, it's just that this is the reason why this is a passionate concept for a lot of people is because this is not just some strange interpretation that I decided one day I'm going to wake up to. This is something through diligent study almost nearly almost every day for 23 years, studying the scriptures, going to church, taking notes, going to pastors in their offices, between services, calling pastors on the phone, going to lunch with pastors, asking questions and not getting good answers, getting answers that make no sense. And respectfully, I've gotten some of those tonight. So, after and I
0: feel like I have two, and I feel like I know you, you do. I know you're like your own. Religion it, I know. Here. That's no, what it it's feels not. Like. No, brother, it it's like, nothing. Like, almost, so. No, no, that you no. Know, I mean, that's kind of insulting. And I just want to say, yeah, yeah. Sense, yeah, yeah so, I, so is what you're you saying. Yeah, so is what you're saying. I have a little following, and I worry about them, and I worry about you to be quite honest.
1: Uh, Guys, in in case you're not aware, this quote-unquote following is small potatoes to what's been happening for the last 20 years amongst believers worldwide. 2,000
0: years, you should probably say.
1: Respectfully, brother. No. The last 20 years, and not just the United States, but worldwide, people have been calling to mind the idea of what it means to disciple with Yeshua according to what many of the verses I read tonight, where Yeshua tells us to keep the commandments. And what that means, and applies to us, they get rid of any forms of antimonianism they get rid of any forms of supersessionism or dispensationalism they're getting rid of any forms of contradictory nonsense theology that has never made sense to a lot of believers but have never had the chance to have live interaction with the people that are teaching them in these churches so as a result of this they're all coming by the millions brother I, this may be your first introduction to me on this channel and you know I've, on this particular channel only has like 2000 subs, on my main channel has almost 11 it's small potatoes. There's other tour channels out there. They got 500,000 subs. The point is there's people hungry for the word of God to want to walk, First John 2, 3, to walk in his behavior so they can know him. And they're so unfulfilled with seminary theology that it's they've reached a breaking point, and it's been 20 years now. So I don't know if you're not heard of this, and you might want to research it if you haven't, but do not be surprised, brother. And I say this with as much love and respect, not because I'm trying to play gotcha, but simply because I know the position you're in. You're in a rock and a hard place amongst the people you have to pastor over, the administration board, the deacons, everything involved, the church. Bills, no, all,
0: it's not all like that. that. I actually love my job. And I didn't I say, love, I didn't I
1: say you me. didn't love it. Not between a
0: rock and a hard place.
1: All I'm saying is be prepared. Be prepared in the okay. next decade, if not sooner. You're uh-huh. going to get a lot of people like Brian and me coming up to you. Very informed in the word trying to Good. say, Hey, I saw you say something in this message, that, but it doesn't make sense to what to what this guy says here in this sense. To
0: okay, have more just, people spiritually and biblically literate. Yes. Because yeah. I that's what we need. That's absolutely what we need. Yeah. And and I respect that you have searched the scriptures like the Bereans. I pray yeah. that you will continue that the Spirit of Truth would guide you into all truth and convict you of sin and righteousness and judgment, mm-hmm. all with reference to Jesus, and yeah, that we would yeah. all come to a clear yes. understanding in the of the knowledge of the Son of God, and on that basis we can build up the unity of faith, as it talks about in Ephesians four. But I'm concerned that you may be following a false gospel. What do you think sure that you
1: is? Think- can you enunciate it in one sentence?
0: Yeah, I don't think you believe Jesus is. The eternal son of God. That's horrible. I don't think you believe. <laughs> that's that's slander I don't think at you believe point, in. The, what's that?
1: That's actual slander at three and a half hours at this point. You, uh, you, you, you just for you to truly not. come away from this conversation with that opinion is so no, misrepresented. I did, everything I've said is ridiculous.
0: One, I did watch one, I did watch one of your videos, Is Jesus God? And you said that you've interpreted monogamous begotten as that Jesus had a beginning. And the father created or produced him.
1: right? So this is more Trinitarian. This is what Trinitarians do every single time. You don't agree with their specific theology and they think you're not a believer. It's horrible behavior, brother.
0: Really, you should chastise yourself on that behavior.
1: It's horrible behavior.
0: You can just characterize it as horrible. But I feel like I have a responsibility to say that I don't think that you believe in the same God that the church of Jesus Lord of
1: Lords, King of Kings, the Messiah, the High Priest. The, one I've the been Father, Son, and, and, and
0: Holy Spirit.
1: Matthew 28, 19, When I referenced earlier, of course I do. Mm-hmm. Literally, First Timothy two, five. It's Yeshua that ministers to the Father. Who do you think I've been talking about this whole time? And,
0: and well, I, I'm grateful that you could
1: truly well, come come
0: false, across like this. False gospel, but. in in the sense that I th- I feel like you're calling people back to a law that has the behavior been,
1: of Jesus. The behavior of Jesus.
0: If you put it like that, I agree. But the behavior of Jesus, then. That you just said re- you're not going to keep it in terms of an old covenant that I don't think we are under. I don't so the think the old covenant promises you that, their relationship with God. I'm so
1: confused. The old covenant promises he's going to put the laws in your heart. You claim you're in the new covenant. Why aren't, Why would you be opposed to the laws being on your heart? And you, that means you do them, right? They usually right.
2: say that's just Christ's laws.
0: I know, I
1: know. I know. That's that what God I said passage. at the very beginning it's the law of Christ that they always reference. Instead well, of the I, actual I
0: mean I just believe what yeah. Paul said in Romans 2 that even the Gentiles who don't have the law, written law show that they have a law written on their hearts their conscience bears witness to it right? The conscience bears witness to it and it will You're perhaps excuse yeah. them or accuse them on the day of judgment.
3: I'll pray for us yeah, John you pray. You can close we could go it looks like for days. Okay, so, let's Father, pray. I thank you for these guys and their amazing hearts and how Um, brilliant these minds are that we're talking to and how desperate all of us are to just know and understand who you are and who you call us to be and i just thank you for clarity holy spirit that you'd overwhelm each and every one of our hearts minds souls bodies every part of our soul and being that we would be overwhelmed with your presence and your understanding and your revelation and clarity in the name of jesus amen
0: amen amen
3: all right bless you guys
0: Thank
1: guys, you. thanks for coming on so much. I'm going to, yeah. uh, uh, bring you back into the waiting room in the studio. You can take off if yeah. you need to, and then I'll close out the show. Thank you so much for joining me. today. Thanks. All right, guys. Okay, guys, I appreciate everyone, uh, sticking with us. man. This was a long one tonight. I didn't, I didn't think it would go past an hour and a half to be honest with you, but, um, it did. It went past an hour and a half. So, um, we can, uh, I, I see a Deanna Clark. Deanna Clark is rooting for Brian to come back on. Guys, just to let y'all know, in case you're wondering, like Brian, when he when he asked me to to you know talk with Keegan and, and Jeremy about coming on, he uh, told us from the beginning that he wasn't going to participate very much. So I know a lot of people in the crowd are are being like, why isn't Brian talking? but he, he told us he was going to mostly listen tonight. So I'm I am glad that he did stick with us for three and a half hours to, to do some talking. Um, but yeah, yeah, we can have him back on here as testimony and, uh, and hear more from Emma, how he's coming to some of these ideas, because I've this is the first night I've ever even spoken to Brian. Um, apparently he not just watches my channel, but many other channels out there that talk about these topics. So, um, you know, it's not like I have personal discipleship over Brian in any regard, but be glad to have him back on. Here's testimony in full and, and how his, his walk has been progressing. So um I was trying to see if there's any immediate questions that I missed. I know, guys, I, I know normally we do questions from the audience, but tonight it was a little different vibe. So um with that in mind, you know, it's it, I, I'm sorry that if you already left and I couldn't get to one of your questions. Um, if you're still here and you want to ask him, I'll take just two questions before we end. Cause we already gone a really long time. I'm sure my wife is, is, you know, wondering what's going on where I am. So, um, other than that, guys, I really appreciate for being here. Uh, go subscribe to West blaze music's channel, because we're going to be doing that new series on his channel. You're going to miss it. If you don't go subscribe and, um, and also be looking for lighthouse, it's going to be radical. It's going to change. Um, <laughs> Nabi Sky is just asking, does it always come down to bacon? You know, it, it's so it's sad that these conversations sometimes do go circular and they come down to um the keeping the Sabbath or just what foods are eating, whether clean or unclean. I know there's so much more of the instructions of God that pertain to us that you know people have no clue about. Um uh, like I tried to show earlier in in the night, you know, there's there's a few things that are mentioned by Yeshua that a lot of people don't even realize he's just repeating the old Testament because the Pharisees weren't teaching the old Testament. They were teaching traditions of men. So the people were hungry for the actual words of the prophets. And so, um, you know, that's just, unfortunately it, it does circle back in a lot of these conversations, especially if it's the first time for someone who has not come to this type of study and looked at these types of ideas and definitions of words and they, and they haven't, and there's the first time talking to someone they thinks a, a Hebrew router or a Torah observant guy, you know, and Um, I'm not saying that that those two uh, brothers were being derogatory towards me in that regard, but that is the typical language that's used when people hear, oh, this guy's keeping the Torah. What does that mean? That's why I always try to define it early on in the conversation if we have one of these, Um, because unfortunately, there's a lot of stereotypical conversation that goes along with that. And this is kind of a charged situation, meeting two dudes in a live stream. Uh, Had I just known these guys around town and seen them? you know, at the gun range or at the boxing gym or whatever. And we just went and had lunch. I promise you it'd be a different conversation. So guys, hopefully you guys can take all this with a grain of salt and know that there is no ill will between any of these brothers or myself. And it's just, um, it's just, sometimes you're, you know, you're trying to get your point across and people get passionate. Um, okay. All right, guys, I don't see any questions I'm gonna take tonight. So thank you so much for being here. And, um, let me take that off the screen. And I hope that you guys uh, subscribe if you haven't already. You're welcome to follow us again in the future if it's your first time seeing us. And um, I just wish everyone to continue to grow in their discipleship. As always, our motto here on the Kingdom Cast channel is that we uh, search for knowledge, wisdom, and understanding of His Word and this world so we can better relate His Word to this world. It's part of our discipleship. Yeshua tells us to go out and make disciples of the nations, right? We're to declare as ambassadors His truth, His beauty,
0: and yes, His Son. Son of God. So thanks, guys. We'll see you guys uh, next.